In a world filled with sharks, bears, and killer bees, one man is brave enough to stay indoors to bring you the latest in gaming, movie, and pop culture news. That man is Tom Awesome, and this is the Outside is Overrated podcast. Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated, a podcast about gaming and nerd pop culture and Elden Ring. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Tom Sadlachi, and we've got a great show lined up for you. Uh, No Elden Ring this month. This month we're breaking down Kingdom Hearts, touching on the video game franchise and rolling through the board game Perilous Pursuit. Joining us for the first part of the discussion today are the Hobby Box, Joe Burns. Heyo. And Mrs. Oyo, Phoenix Sadlachik. Hello. Phoenix, you haven't been on the show since we did our Firefly episode. What have you been up to over the last six months or so? Uh, parenting, getting <laughs> our oldest ready for school, uh, being a kindergartner. Uh, tonight, I was trying to get the kids down and turned, found out that my grandfather has a Wikipedia page, so that was kind of fun to look at. So, Oh, that's wild. What, uh, what's on the Wikipedia page? <laughs> well, it's um, True Boardman. He's born from actors and my mom had teased me with that his first wife was the one of the few voices of Minnie Mouse and so I was researching Uh, that and then it's like oh he has his own page so I was reading that a little bit but forgot he did a movie with Charlie Chaplin he wrote a whole bunch of screenplays for the radio show um Silver Theater so but he re he married my mom's stepmom, but I always called him Grandpa True. So when we visited him, so uh. that's so wild, Bernsey. Do you think it would be a highlight or a low light if you ever had your own Wikipedia page? Because I'm writing one for you right now. <laughs> Probably a low light. I don't know that there's a whole lot. There's a whole lot to really put on there. So. Is the Batwing? <laughs> I don't know that that's something that's very Wikipedia friendly. Testicles belong on the internet, Burns. That's what they're there for. I don't know if it belongs on Wikipedia. Uh, I dis- disagree with you wholeheartedly. Feeney, you did something for us, for our family, for our board gaming friends recently. You started upgrading our board game components. What are some of the things that you picked up for us, and what was your motivation? Well, I was just scrolling. Besides being, like, the best wife in the world. Yes. Well, thank you. Um... I was scrolling through, like everyone does, on Instagram, and I ran across this lady. Um, I think it's Tabletop Family. She has seven kids. She just had the ba- seventh baby. Nope. Hard pass. <laughs> Two is good. But she and her husband are huge board gamers, and so she's constantly suggesting games for their kids. You know, if you have kids, this is a game, you know. But they always use their dining room table, so she said what they use is this mat, and I can't remember the title of the mat, but it's a soft type of mat that you can roll up and unroll, and it comes in its own bag, so you can use this mat on top of a table, so... And then she found these wood bowls. The mat works really well for us because we had an extra dining room table and yes. we just set it up in our basement. Like it started as a thing to prep for the podcast. I think it was the Mars show when we were playing Terraforming Mars. Drug the table downstairs, yeah. set it up, and it hasn't moved since. Like now that is officially our board gaming table with this mat on it. Well, it became my art table for the longest time too. So, but 
it's nice to have the mat to go down because rolling dice on a hard table is hard because they go flying everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's just nice to have that squishiness and softness to it when you play a board game and she has these wooden bowls that she recommends for all your little pieces um Mm -hmm. i can't remember what the term is for them but um tokens chits tokens coins things like that doodads (laughs) doodads but then uh, she recommend these things that fold up and snap for um, using for dice instead of... Yeah, like they're jewelry trays? Jewelry trays, basically. Repurpose. But... So, like, we are authentic, real <laughs> board gamers now. We've backed something on Kickstarter. So, Bernsey, the question that I pose to you here, you play a lot of board games with a lot of different friends in a lot of different situations. What are your thoughts on board gaming tables? I mean, I, I I think they're really nice to have if you have the space for them. I Like, friend of the show, Adam Wilson has a pretty baller gaming table, and he made that with, like, his father-in-law, I think, which I is a pretty so, yeah. awesome and unique thing. And, like, I'm envious of that, sure, mm-hmm. but I think for our setup, this is great for us, but continue with your thought. You know, it's just, I feel like it's one of those things, it's, for a lot of people in the places that they live in, it's hard to have something that's specifically just for that so like mm-hmm. when you you think about gaming tables they're usually like kind of built in yeah. almost like uh almost like if you're looking at like a casino like a craps table is yeah. um so that things don't like roll off the table and everything along those lines so one of the thing one of the things that started happening probably like 2018 ish is there are a lot of companies that started making like for lack of a better term, convertible board yes. game tables. Yep. So it's like, it can be your dining room table, and then you can take the top layer off, and then it's a gaming table on the inside. Yep. And how close have we been to pulling the trigger on any of those? Because you do all the research for us, Feeny. Like, you say, I think this is a good idea, and I say, eh, or I say, ooh. Yes. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we've gotten close. There was that one on Kickstarter, which was about $400, and a lot of people complain that it's not, solid or sturdy it's you know well for the price you pay for what the convenience you know you have Mm -hmm. to take that into account when you're looking at a table and the price and stuff but the interesting thing i just ran across was uh it's on kickstarter right now is a folding table that can slide underneath the couch and comes out and it's a gaming table with add-on components Mm. so people can fold it away and put it away and then take it out for gaming so i was intrigued with that one i was like well that might be more doable you know yeah i mean companies keep coming up with different ideas so similar to that one i know adam actually i don't think he backed it but he won like a free like uh like backer level of kickstarter for a table topper is what the company was and so it's basically something that you fasten on top of a table that will function as like that yeah. kind of gaming space and it travels he brought it over here we played games on it and yeah it was nice it was yeah. really nice that was something we considered yeah, I saw wasn't you it you guys playing with it and it looked really nice i thought oh because it did cover our whole table i'm like wow <laughs> did the table come or something <laughs> but um but the woman the tabletop family she she still uses the dining room table in her videos with all the kids but she did invest a whole bunch of money in this new company that has coffee tables and you take the tops off and it's sunk in and has the felt and little drawers that you pull out for your cup holders and stuff but so they are coming out with different things right now for 
gamers. Yeah. So. I think the, the trickiest thing with like doing something like that for a Kickstarter though, mm-hmm. um, I mean, cause Tom, you're running into this now where it's like, now you accept, now it's the waiting game. <laughs> you're bringing our personal text into the area here, birds. No, I freaking hate it, man. I freaking hate it. We backed a game on GameFound. We backed a game on Kickstarter and I'm like, I'm really excited for these games. We paid a couple hundred bucks for each of them, which is a big investment for me in a board game. And uh, like, I'm like, all right, we backed our games. And then like I log in, I'm like, so when is this actually coming and they're like oh well december they're gonna send the art off to the designer i'm like what the frick this these games aren't coming until 2024 i paid it now i want it yeah. now and it just it drives me crazy it, <laughs> and like some of those really large like uh board game table kickstarters were like you basically because they had so many people there and they can only produce so many tables in a given week month year mm-hmm. uh it's like you would be on a waiting list for like two years before oh, you would get what you're getting now this is like some of the really like the wormwood huge big fancy expensive tables yeah um but that's just one of those types of things where it's like i already feel like you kind of a little bit tom where I've already put this much money into a board game and now I'm just waiting for it. And it feels like it's just wasted money sitting there in something that I don't have yet. So I can completely understand that. And for some reason, when it's like a piece of furniture, that feels even more awkward and Mm -hmm. weird. So I could just, I just imagine it's just like every time you're playing a game on your table, you're just like, oh, it's going to be so great in two and a half years when I have the new table. <laughs> I can't even say with 100% certainty that we're going to be living right here in two oh, and a half right. years. So, like, I can't imagine the space we'll yeah. have if we do get another house. Like, uh-huh. Sorry to bring up Kickstarter, but I always find it interesting. What's your viewpoint of big companies like um, using Kickstarter when you know they have the money to produce a game? But, you know. Uh, I mean, don't hold back, Burns. <laughs> no, I, so I used to be pretty against it. Um, nowadays, I'm a little bit more softened towards it. Okay, just because knowing how little margins there are true, in board games, um, it, it's kind of sad that you know these companies that should be able to just launch it, engage, sort of pre-order. Um, gauge what their market is so they know how much to print. So that's the biggest thing that, like, uh, CMON is one of the larger companies that still does Kickstarters for everything. Um, and, and the reason why they do that, A, you know, it's kind of their marketing wing. True. You know? that's like, that's, that's where all of the people that have backed their previous projects, like, interface with their stuff. And so, you know, they've backed five, ten of their other previous Kickstarters. So they're looking for the 11th from sure. the same spot. Uh, but then also it's because, especially with the costs in board game, like, production, like, kind of skyrocketing over ever since the pandemic started and shortly before the pandemic started. Uh, now it's just you really need to have more exact numbers of uh. what you're dealing with. And so having that firm set of backers that once you lock it in, like they can't cancel it like a pre-order or yes. something like that. I think that's also just it's a it's a much safer business model than the risk that you take going elsewhere. Some companies have been able to do it. So like uh, Jamie uh, Stegmeyer at Stonemeyer Games, mm-hmm. like he's been able to basically ever since Scythe, released he hasn't done a kickstarter since then and what he he has his kind of whole little marketing 
kind of buildup that he does with his website. Now he's been blogging and it has like his website. He's been blogging on that for like a decade plus now. So he has like a set amount of people that go to his website regularly. So that helps negate like one of those reasons why people use Kickstarter. Um, And he's just big enough now. He's had big enough games like Scythe, Wingspan and so on that, you know, people know about him. Um, they know like where to get information about it and know where to go to be able to pre-order things like that. And so he's been able to make it work that way. Also, I think he just knows for the most part, based the games, the types of games that he makes, uh, he knows that there's a market for it and that even if he doesn't sell out on pre-orders that he's sending to directly to people, that he's going to be able to have spots on game uh, on, uh, um, like gaming store shelves. Sure for that and from distributors for those games because so many Stonemeyer games have been hits in the past. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So. But I, I don't know. I used to be much more hardline against it where it's just like these companies <laughs> make tons of money and they should, they should be able to do it without it now. Yeah. But I can completely understand, especially with how, how much more tricky the industry is at this point, especially with shipping costs. Um, having a lot of that, um, in mind helps. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, speaking of tricky things, well, first, Jamie Stegmeyer is a terrific marketer, and I have so much respect for him. And it was pretty awesome when he uh, agreed to do an interview for Outside is Overrated way back when in the Stonemeyer. That was attached to the Stonemeyer show. I can't even remember which show it was on. I think I think it was. I think or did was. you interview him before, and then we did the Stonemeyer show? I think it was with the Stonemeyer game show because I don't think. We talked about any of his other games before that. You're right. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, at some point, I talked to Jamie Stegmeyer, and it was awesome. And it's attached to some episode of Outside is Overrated. So just go through and download Elden Ring first, and then every other episode of Outside is Overrated, and see if you can find it. But uh, speaking of tricky things, Bernsey, you got to dive into an old game for this podcast. Was this your favorite episode of Outside is Overrated to prep for of all time, or what? Uh, that would be a no from me, Tom. Because old games are terrible, and nobody should ever play them ever? No, because the original- I think that's that's what I'm hearing from you, Burns. You know, not to steal my thunder from later in the episode, but it's partially because, it's mostly because um, the original Kingdom Hearts is a real difficult game to go back to from a control standpoint uh, in 2023. Well, you just gave away the whole rest of the show. It's in, in between you don't episodes. Need to edit that anymore yeah, now. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to like explain what a tease is to you at some point. <laughs> Before we dive into our Kingdom Hearts discussion, we would like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn.com. If you enjoy Outside is Overrated, please support our show at patreon.com slash OIO. That's patreon.com slash OIO. Your support goes towards media, equipment, and other expenses. For your support, you get to vote on our Game Pass games that we play for the Game Pass Forever segment each month, and you get an invitation to our annual bash every summertime. Uh, so please support the show at patreon.com slash OIO. If you enjoy our sparkling personalities, you can follow us all on social. Email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com. Overratedpod at gmail.com. You can follow Burns at HobbyboxBurns on X and twitch.tv slash HobbyboxBurns. You can find Feeny at PhoenixSidLogicOIO on Instagram. You can follow me at TomSidLogicOIO on all platforms, uh, where I'm super duper active on like everything ever. <laughs> Shut up, Burns. And follow the show at facebook.com slash outside is overrated. 
the ceremonial tapping of the papers means we are ready to roll. Let's dive into Kingdom Hearts, people. We start our discussion <laughs> with the board game Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuits, published by Theop. Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuits was designed by an uncredited corporate stooge. <laughs> Literally, no one gets credited with designing this game. It is the op, um, and I think the op is the company that makes a lot of games for Target. Like we did um, okay. Wonder Woman Challenge of the Amazons, the Jaws game. A lot of licensed games that you find on the shelves at Target are produced by the op, and nobody gets credit for designing them. I thought that was fascinating. Huh, that is interesting. Released in 2021, the game has a board game geek rating of 7.2. You play as one of five main characters from the game, rolling dice and coordinating attacks to save iconic Kingdom Hearts worlds from the Heartless. Everyone has access to the same abilities, attack, shield, collecting items, distracting the enemies, and a special ability. Each character can do the same actions, but they cost different amounts. For instance, for Sora to attack, it may take a single Keyblade die to ready, set, and trigger your ability, while Kairi requires three Keyblades to ready your attack. Uh, you roll dice on your turn, and you need a set number of dice to ready an ability. And then you get to fill that action in on your player board. Then it takes one more die to fill out the second cutout on your board. Then once you have both of those filled in, you can assign another die to that ability to actually trigger it and use its ability against the Heartless. So they actually say in like the manual, it's like ready, set, go. Is that the way that they kind of approach it? Yep. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think it's unique to this game. I haven't... I haven't played anything else that has that exact mechanic. Yeah, I agree. I think it is a unique thing. Once you have any ability set, you can also trigger any other player's ability if they have it set. For instance, if we all have our attack uh, sections filled in on our board, if I roll a Keyblade, I can activate my attack. If I roll another Keyblade, I can activate Feeny's attack. If I roll another Keyblade, I can activate Burns' character's attack. Uh, At the end of each turn... You roll a set number of dice per world to see what bad stuff the Heartless will do. And then the victory conditions are you need to save six worlds. If you save six worlds, you win. If you lose two worlds to the Heartless or if one of the players gets knocked out, it's game over, man. Jeez. I mean, just think how much harder the video game could be if it's like, if Donald or Goofy get knocked out, it's game over. Back to your last save. That would be untenable. <laughs> That'd almost be like a soul-crushing like boss rush at the end of the game that just makes it feel like a complete waste of 38 hours. But I digress. Save it. Save it. <laughs> ah, I want to explode right now! Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuit. I thought it would be interesting to start our discussion with our experience with and some of our favorite dice games. Phoenix, we'll start with you. What are your feelings towards dice games in general, and what are some of your favorites? Um, In general, I've never really had good luck with rolling dice. I've always been very poor with it. Um, I think... Tell that to the Dark Souls board game, <laughs> I know, until Dark Souls. <laughs> For some reason, uh, my luck turned with the Dark Souls game, but <laughs> it was interesting, you know, playing Dark Souls and checking all those dice because of the one sword I had the extra dice, but... Um, You know, I remember, I think, um, Pandemic Rapid Response is similar with the dice and um, piecing out different dice to the characters and stuff. Yep, you roll a handful of dice, dice. and depending on the faces, you have to, like, optimize your actions based on your roll luck. Yeah, and Athanos Rising is a good game. Um, 
I haven't been introduced or I've done a lot of dice rolling games because of my fear of my um, <laughs> bad luck with rolling dice. But uh, with this one, it was a good experience. You know, my luck was a little bit better with this one. So, And as a general mechanic, like I just love chucking I dice. I know you do. Quarriers <laughs> is one of my favorite games. Quarriers is awesome. That's all dice based. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Memoir 44. Thanos Rising is a great like dice building mechanic where you're recruiting different Marvel heroes and building your dice pool by adding those heroes. And Kings of Tokyo is just a good time that anyone can jump into you where you're rolling dice and either trying to control the city or knock out playing King of the Hill with the city. Uh, dice are fun. I mean, <laughs> dice throwing games are fun, um, but I tend to prefer other mechanics, kind of because I have similar luck to Phoenix, but mine always seems to be very specific. So it's like certain dice rolls in certain games I struggle with. So for instance, in the A Song of Ice and Fire tabletop miniatures game, I if I have to roll a charge roll, and it'll be like a pretty normal, like I just need a three on the die to hit it, it is like four out of five times I will fail the charge roll wow. like all the time. It's just like, it's ridiculous how that one specific roll tends to always sandbag me in games of that. So would you say that the Song of Ice and Fire's tabletop miniatures game is roughly equivalent of XCOM 2? <laughs> no, because the odds I can actually see are legitimate and not just some random amalgamation of numbers that I don't think makes sense and that I don't think the computers ever actually... Um, like beholden to the same like terrible luck that the game gives us on our success so i mean i, I had a lot different. of luck in that game i just ran straight forward and no one ever attacked me it was great yeah i wish i had a bug <laughs> like that too but uh so i don't know like i, I do like rolling dice in games but like quarriers like you said is is a fun game like that's a lot of fun every time we've played that i've enjoyed it um dice throne would be another one so like marvel dice throne i like a lot um and i it, it's and, and then i would say it's not like what I would go to a game for, but having some ability to roll dice always seems to be fun. Um, I don't know. All the ones you listed were good. I haven't played Thanos Rising. and Okay, not all of them. I'm not a fan of Memoir, but other than that. <laughs> well, I know you love dice rolling, and some of your stories that you love to tell come from dice rolling, especially the Yeti. Yeah, the <laughs> Turkish trash. Goldarn Yeti. Goldarn Yeti. I told you, Casey. I told you I could take down the Yeti. It's just it, dice is always your go-to type game. I mean, you've been eyeing Dice Forge for forever. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I tend to have very streaky luck. Like I'm either hot or I'm ice cold, and like when I get on a hot streak, like I can destroy worlds and Yeti like nobody's business. <laughs> well, how does Kingdom Hearts: Perilous Pursuits compare to some of your favorite dice games? We'll start with Burns on this one. I, I do think it captures the theme in a decent way. Um, well, you get to play as the iconic characters. Yeah, yeah. That's something. Yeah, and, you know, it has a keyblade on the die, um, you know, so that's a symbol that's, you know, very regular in the game. The crown, too, I guess, is a symbol that's pretty regular in the game. Um, I would say I prefer games like Quarriors, um, and probably my ultimate answer for, like, a game that I will enjoy um, is going to be when the Marvel Dice Throne Missions expansion um, with the X-Men comes out in the first half of next year. comes out on Kickstarter in October. And so um, that's probably going to be like mixing sort of the battle Yahtzee nature of Dice Throne with having it actually be a co-op game um, probably is going to be the best iteration of that game, I think. 
And I think to summarize Burns's point, he hated it with the burning, fiery passion. <laughs> of course. Petey. <laughs> Always. Are you on the same uh, heat train here? <laughs> you love to take words and twist them. <laughs> yes. I was just setting you up for your opinion, honey. I know it's coming here. Well, because I wrote it down and you're just looking at them. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I love um, cooperative games. I like light games because I would love to get into the heavy strategic games, but I find that I have a hard time thinking five steps ahead, and I really get hung up on the next thing I need to do. And so I do enjoy these nice, light, cooperative games because... I slight anxiety doesn't kick in as hard when I'm playing these type of games. And I love cooperative games because, I guess from my artist brain, it is interesting to think about how did the designer think about to create a game that isn't too hard but isn't too winnable, you know? And plus mm -hmm. you can play it with two players, three players, four players. How do you balance that type of cooperative game when you're um so i've always enjoyed cooperative games because you're all racing against this board game versus like a one-on-one -on -one with per someone because if you play one-on-one -on -one or four people mm -hmm. against each other someone has a smarter or trick up their sleeve so i've mm -hmm. always prefer games like this because of that strategic element and working together and and it was nice that it was light so that we could talk and that be all focused and quiet and you know thinking about what our next move is so. you would truly loathe playing scythe with me honey scythe <laughs> i know how words work scythe. um i was hot and cold on kingdom hearts perilous pursuit the biggest takeaway for me was that it just it lacks a manipulation mechanic mm -hmm. like once you roll your dice they are what they are you don't have any like way to sway it to get the results that you really want to get so it's it boils down to a lot of dice luck which is a double-edged sword like it's great when you have a good role but oftentimes like playing as a non-sora ariku character trying to get your special ability uh needing all five dice to be the uh circle with the stars in it yeah a little challenging well i was just thinking about that when you're talking about explaining the game and the mechanics and each character you know like sora you know you just need the one key and then equipped it with another key um with video games, when you're actually playing video games, each character, if you have a party with you, you know, you have to be, be strategic or you lose um, someone in your party because they're weaker in this element, but they're your healer or, you know, I thought this game was kind of interesting for me from the perspective of not playing a lot of video games. You are equipping abilities like mm -hmm. you do in a video game and every card is different. And so I kind of got a taste of okay, we have to be strategic on this player making sure that they have the ability to get the healing potions to each of us and hopefully the dice and the battle against the boss, we have enough of the pieces in play. So I, for me, from that standpoint, it was kind of interesting to sort of get a glimpse of that on a sort of simple board game and concept. In a, lot of the, in a lot of the instances, too, it, like, taps into that. So, like, um, you know, Goofy... His shields are the easiest, yeah. and he fights with a shield in the game, and he's supposed to be more of like a protector and sort of the upfront tank kind of character. Um, you know, he has the most like spots for like potions and healing items, and so part of that's 
comes in with his ability where he can heal as well. Um, Donald is more of a magic user, so I think they countered that with giving him the ability to get items really easily um, in the game, which, you know, I think it works for what they're trying to do with that. So, And I think Kyrie just got the distract ability because... You know, nobody else had the distractibility as their easiest one to earn. So it's like, okay, you know, you slept through the whole first game pretty much. You can distract, I guess. Well, and she's female, and she could just lift up the shirt to distract, you know? <laughs> so. You're the only one of us that can make that joke, so thank you, honey. It's uh, just a classic 10 things I hate about you moment. <laughs> My favorite element of this game was the ability to trigger each other's abilities. We found out playing together that if we all had our special abilities, like that's how you tear apart the heartless in these worlds. Yeah. Like, it's like, all right, mm-hmm. well... Ability, 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 boom. Feeny cleared the world. Let's move on to the next thing. Well, that's another thing about that. When you clear out or fight the boss and you move on, I know typically with video games you can continue on to the next fight with all that you've um, taken on or all the special abilities or Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what the proper termage is, but... um, I felt like this helped us to, when we had to roll the dice to see, you know, we got damaged or ding or like with um, Diablo 4 or any Diablo game, you're overburdened. You Mm -hmm. have to drop something. And so I felt like it helps counterbalance a little bit of the gameplay with that. And I don't think I explained that mechanic when I was doing the quick run through. In between each world, there is one specific unique die in this game. There's a black die that's called the Heartless die. And in between each world, you have to roll that and it'll have each of the symbols on your player card and then one symbol for the Heartless. And whatever symbol you roll on that die, you have to clear that off of your player board. So if you roll a Keyblade on that, your attack, uh, ready and set pieces have to come off your board. If you roll your special ability, that one's a killer because those are some of the hardest things to fill in on your board. Mm-hmm. If you roll the heartless symbol, you have to take the set action off of each one of the actions on your board, which is the second thing you fill in, which is one extra die. And then you have to roll it again to see which ability you have to clear out. And I think this, what the designing the designer took for the board game was to... <laughs> Again, you're playing against the board game. You're playing against it. And if we got to keep every ability, pretty much all we'd be fighting against is the health because we'd Mm -hmm. die pretty quickly. Or, you know, this, you know, creates more of a challenge and more looting or I don't know what Mm -hmm. you want to say. There were instances in each game where we'd have our player board completely filled up. It's like, all right, we're all set up. Let's rock and roll. And then suddenly in between worlds, you roll the heartless die and then you lose your special ability. It's like, oh man, well, this game sucks. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Back to square. Well, maybe not exactly one, but like, you know, 2.9, you know, possibly. So I just, I think it adds to the challenge and I enjoyed that because it's like, oh crap, I lost (laughs) the thing that I need for us to roll through these bosses, you know, just to take them out, my special ability. But, you know, it also helps with us working together because if you draw a card, you can give that person mm-hmm. the card to get some of their special ability back. And um, so that's components of a cooperative game I enjoy. It's just another aspect of us working together, giving cards, giving dice. And, and, so. I, you know, and I guess like to explain a little bit, so like for instance, Sora's ability is he gets to do plus three attack. 
So it's like you know that's like a huge amount of an attack yep. on it's, the on the world. It's like rolling three different keyblades and assigning them to three different players. He, yeah. Only he can do that with one die on his own player, and any player with the special ability can also trigger that. Yep. And then Riku is plus two attack, and he gets an item. Uh, and then Donald is actually I don't remember. Donald's was the heal. You choose a player to heal and do one attack. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Kyrie's was just to distract again, so she holds another die back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Goofy's was to... Shield. Shield. Add a shield to a character and then do an attack. Yeah. Yeah, so each character had their own unique special ability. Um, the strengths and weaknesses of Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuit. Let's start with bringing it to the table. Strength or a weakness just setting this game up compared to other board games that can take days to engage. It's, I mean, it's a strength. It's super... I mean, I never set the game up, but it didn't seem like it took you forever. It's not like, you know, you had to lock the kid in the closet so you could set it up for two hours and then, okay, time for bed. Yeah. You know, so I don't think that was ever the case. The Dark Souls board game took me, like, yes. hours to set up the first time, sorting all the cards, yeah. le- learning what all the icons meant. Uh, <laughs> I mark this as a strength. Yeah. Uh, overall time to, like, learn the game and get into the flow of it and feel like you actually had agency in your action. Strength or weakness? I think it's a strength for me because um, how I like to play is I don't like to go first because the rules are all bombarded on me and Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to figure out in my head. And so I'm the type that likes to watch, to learn, not read. Mm -hmm. And I know that's driven my dad crazy at work. It's like I have to watch someone do it in order to learn so i always like people to go ahead of me mm-hmm. and it took a couple times around but and also with it being cooperative it helped for you guys to help me place die if i miss something so i don't feel anxious like oh i did something wrong because w- again with cooperative you guys are helping me mm-hmm. and i feel comfortable with that versus being in a game where i'm so on my own on mm-hmm. an island and you guys are like, ooh, she's wrong. Don't do that, you know. So it's to me, it's a strength because it's you know, I was able to learn very quickly and be able to try to stay on my two feet trying to help with this game. So and I think another strength related to that is because the rules are pretty straightforward. Like there's not a lot of like complex mechanics like interacting yeah. with each other. Um, there's not like a lot of edge cases in the game either. I think there was like one time when there was maybe a question where we're like, how exactly does that work? True. Um, but it was just looking at the manual of how it was worded for that one ability or whatever that cleared that up. And so, um, you know, once you have a grasp on the rules, you just kind of go and and it's pretty easy to pass that along. And there's not a lot of edge cases that you have to worry about where it's like, well, if you're Kyrie and this (laughs) happens, well, then you're going to have to, you know, so there's there's nothing, there's nothing along those lines, which is good. And we got into a rhythm, a plane that Mm -hmm. we didn't have to, um, we were able to talk about other topics between Mm -hmm. or on during people's so i felt like it was quickly grasped and we could play the game and get through winning or losing 
the rounds with the bosses. So yeah, talking about like dealing with real life heartless yes. attacking families. <laughs> yeah, and stuff, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. It was nice that we were able to socialize. Birds, we don't get that a lot in the games that we play. Like we play some four mm-hmm. X games. We play a lot of intense things, but like this game and when the three of us played the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective mm-hmm. game for the Sherlock show, like that was also a very social experience. And that's that's nice. Like yeah. sometimes I want to be completely focused on screwing Pat over and like winning the game. <laughs> Uh, but it's also nice to just have a like a social thing that you can talk over. Well, mm-hmm. I know with you guys, when you do your marathon one day board games, you guys need to cram in all those mm-hmm. favorites or the strategic. But I guess if you guys did a more routine, sometimes you might throw in a palate cleanser where it's just light and easy to do. So, but um, yeah, Pat loves a good palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> In Perilous Pursuits, you're traveling to a lot of the worlds that you're visiting in the Kingdom Hearts video games, both Disney and Final Fantasy-inspired Burns, where the worlds that you travel to and the things that you do in the worlds, the strength or a weakness of Perilous Pursuits. I mean, so the worlds that they represented were all worlds from the first two games, and so that makes, you know, that made sense, and they had a image that showed you, like, a character from there. Uh, and or I guess, an enemy from there, which which makes sense. But I should set up, like, the world is nothing more than a flat skinny card that goes on the table it's got a picture of the world and Mm -hmm. it's got a little tracker for what the heartless currently are where they're at whether they're overtaking the world or whether you're beating them back and then it has symbols for each of the die faces uh which equate to what bad stuff happens when you roll the world dice at the end of your turn yeah and so the worlds the easier worlds that you fight you know there's more of the dice that you roll that have no effect um, and then by the time you get to like the level three worlds, it's like everything's a negative for the most part, unless you roll the uh, the wild symbol, which is the crown, then that's never a negative for you. But uh, I, the one thing I really do wish, I think they kind of missed out on an opportunity, is having something that happened with each of the worlds that was a little bit more reminiscent or representative of what it was like to be on that world in the game. Um you know, like I when you go to Hollow Bastion, you can't see anything because Beast obscures your vision. <laughs> yeah, something like that, well, right? Like a little narrative or uh, so anything like if because rolling the heartless heartless symbol was always just like you know plus one or minus one health for every player or mm-hmm. minus this for every player. Like if there was something a little bit more flavorful that matched kind of what happened True. on that oh, okay. yeah, place. Or, like, a special rule that was in effect for each of those worlds to help give you a little bit of that spice. Or, like, the other idea I had, which I think would have been way too complicated to try to make work, but something where um, it represents, like, the character that helps you on that world. So if you're on Deep Jungle, some sort of special ability that if you roll a certain symbol... Like Tarzan helps you in some way, or Hollow Bastion Beast helps you in some way. I feel like some of those types of things would have been, would have just helped added a little bit more flavor to like the place. Otherwise, it's just like, all right, how many more successes do we need? We have to move four more up this track. It really, there wasn't like this sense of, oh, we were actually under the sea or any of that stuff. It was just like, okay, what do I have to do on the card to get to the next card? How many Heartless does do Feeny have to kill? <laughs> me, speak, me fail English? That impossible. <laughs> me so smart. Me so good with words. <laughs> Feeny, having not played the Kingdom Hearts video games, uh, what were traveling to these worlds like for you? I guess thinking about it now, it is a little confusing because 
the art isn't as clear as far as what world we are on. Like when we go to Arendelle, it's a wolf, yeah. of course. <laughs> so the title of the world, I can sort of get a, an idea, but as far as the art on the card itself, I was kind of lost because mm -hmm. I know some the way they drew some of the bosses are probably reminiscent to um, what's the company Square um, Square Enix yeah Enix style mm -hmm. of video games so so yeah. without having that attachment to the video games or anything like that it the only thing I had was maybe the title to have an idea or you guys saying something. Oh, do you remember the beast being in the way or something? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, so. Beast really irked me. <laughs> but I just think, it, yeah, it was a missed opportunity where they could have added more flavor to the game to make it feel a little bit more like you're actually in those places, I feel like. Without a dice manipulation mechanic in place, it, this game is very uh, luck luck based it's whatever you roll is what you have to work with uh for me that was a major weakness for this game Bernsey, do you agree or disagree with me on that point yeah i mean i agree with that I, having something like that i mean that's in most dice games so having something along those lines usually helps a lot i you know to me luck doesn't really have one way or another you know that's I guess I viewed luck being part of the strategic planning of the game so mm -hmm. I guess I don't lean one way or the other about it so yeah because really the only way that you could try to manipulate any sort of role is just the distractibility and pulling away the heartless die before the world roll because that's the die that could hurt you the most um that's really the only the only sort of mitigation that you can do with anything so having some other mechanics in there maybe would have helped with that but then maybe that overcomplicates things too so i'm sure it's i'm sure that was something when they were designing it that was a little bit of a push and pull uh thinking about onboarding new players to this game ifini you got the tom express you got a two minute explanation roll some dice and we'll figure it out together <laughs> what do you think the onboarding experience can or should be like for new players with this game well for me again just watching i'm able to pick up things a couple turns around the table it takes for me to usually i know there's some games where I don't grasp everything because I can see both your guys' brains just tick in a certain way when you're thinking strategically and what you want to do, like Cowboy Bebop or something mm -hmm. like that that we've played. Uh, it was interesting watching Casey trying to explain it to him and try to work through... I'm not sure what his learning style is, if he's tactile or watching or having to read the read stuff but well, he was just typing stuff into a spreadsheet like mad <laughs> <laughs> but um you know it's for me someone that's visual who can follow what's happening i think it's very easy i don't know i didn't read the rule books to know how that was for someone that reads rule books but from my perspective i would say it's easy to onboard someone to this type of game yeah great fit for bringing new players into gaming do you think this would also be something that you know probably not yet but in a couple of years would work for like your kids That's, would they get into something like this you i think? did turn to tom after we played the first night i'm like yeah, i'm like i'm gonna give this away as a patreon gift at the party i'm like no <laughs> it's like i have my reasons hold on <laughs> um no i like the game so i was telling him no hold off and also i feel like it's a very simple game it's throwing dice you have a card as long as they can 
the girls, once they're old enough to understand the concept, they might not understand the whole story behind it, mm-hmm. but I feel like... And they don't have to. Like, if yeah. they enjoy rolling the dice and yeah. clearing the things and saying we win, then yeah. awesome. That's why I feel like it's a good game for us to keep to try to maybe try with the girls at some point so and if they are interested in the game like then you could just hey, here you go yeah. start playing kingdom hearts <laughs> one good luck kids <laughs> why is dad snickering in the background <laughs> yes <laughs> uh was an interesting experience playing kingdom hearts perilous pursuits our overall thoughts and takeaways on this game i thought that this is a nice way to introduce people to dice games including my children at some point. Um, Bernsey, your thoughts, your overall thoughts on Perilous Pursuits. Yeah, I, I think it's a fun game to play every now and again. It, it's super light. Uh, it's not the type of thing where I, I don't think there's a lot of room. I mean, there is times where, like, your luck's going to sabotage all of you and you'll lose pretty fast, maybe. Um, or, like... Which happened, and usually yeah. it was you, like, putting the Heartless, like, <laughs> one step away and then handing the dice to me and saying, well... Good luck, Goofy. Yuck. <laughs> oh, Mickey, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, so, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun, and it's, you know, it has an easy, it has an analog to, I mean, it's the, it's like Yahtzee, right? Mm-hmm. And most people have at least heard of Yahtzee or understand what Yahtzee is. And so you kind of understand the base mechanics. It's just putting that together with sort of the upgraded pieces of it that make it the make it perilous pursuits um so i think overall i think overall it's a fun game there's just not a lot of depth i think to turn it into something that you could really like dig into or try playing in a lot of different ways um you know kind of like what i was talking about before if they had like the ability to have like a person switch to playing as one of the so like if you had a Tarzan Tarzan placard for when you're on deep jungle and someone switches to that kind of like how you can switch out for those characters during the game like maybe that would spice things up and it's not just you know the same five characters all the way through but it would have been a mess to try to create because what there's like 14 worlds in the game to try to create 14 extra characters that people could play as on all the different worlds um, but I think that's the one thing that it lacks is having that little bit of extra something to spice it up when you're playing it multiple times other than like once you've played as most of the characters it's all kind of the same all this talk about spicing it up it's like burns is foreshadowing the premier health read huh (laughs) (laughs) feeding your final thoughts on kingdom hearts perilous pursuits i should also note we played this as we played just the two of us right no, I wanted to, oh, to just we never got see it. how... So we played three-player and four-player games. I wanted to see if it was any more challenging than it was versus three or four, but... Um... Well, I'm like, no, I'm so close to beating Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> I gotta finish this stupid game! <laughs> um, again, it's cooperative, which I love. It's light, which is another plus for me. And just thinking about it, you know, the easy setup is nice for us because... When we do go to the cabin and cabins or do trips, I know the box isn't small, but it is a game that we could bring to just set up real quick one night if the girls go down easy for us to just play real quick, you know, for a game, you know, instead of lugging around a game that has all these millions of pieces Mm -hmm. and trying to keep track of them when we travel. But those are the strengths for me is just easy onboarding for me it was light and it was a cooperative so yeah, yeah i agree this is a fun light game like if you want to play nemesis 
don't play Kingdom Hearts Perilous. Like, <laughs> if you need different. the big, heavy, brain-busting game, this is not going to scratch this itch. But if you want to chuck some dice, not have to worry too much about setup, about nailing all the rules, like there's there's a lot of fun to be had with Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuits. Yeah, I mean, even if people don't really know about Kingdom Hearts, but they know Disney, well, give them Goofy or Donald, and yeah. they'll have some fun with that, I think, at least, you know, for, like, one game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah word kingdom hearts perilous pursuits pretty fun so it's tom my back's been killing me lately and so there was this one night when my husband and i were just hanging out it's game night so we just thought we'd do some little role-playing gaming next thing i knew i was riding the train and i got bucked really hard and it's my back it just it's been killing me ever since. Do you know someone who could help me with that? God. Besides my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you should check out Premier Health. They have solutions for back pain, car accident, work-related, and role-playing injuries, and more. We're suggesting Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. You can learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN, as in Minnesota.com. We've got a new friend as we close our discussion with the Kingdom Hearts video game franchise. Joining us from beautiful Fort Wayne, Indiana, John Munch. Welcome back to the show, John. Hello, hello. Uh, what was the last main show you are on? I should have looked that up before uh, turning on the camera and saying, Hi, John, but uh, I really can't remember. Boy, was it The Witcher show? No, or we did I think it was something after The Witcher. We did something yeah. after The Witcher. I can't remember what it was because I remember us saying, I think the last show we were on together was The Witcher show. Yeah, um, I feel like I should know it. I, it was a bit, oh, it was, um... Hi-Fi Rush? Yeah, Hi-Fi Rush. There you go. And Game Pass Forever. Yeah, well, welcome back, John. Thank you so much for jumping into our Kingdom Hearts show. Now, you came into the show uh, with very short notice, so you've played a little bit less Kingdom Hearts probably than Joey and I have, but uh, we'll cover that in just a little bit. Well, recently a little bit less anyway. Yeah, recently, yeah. Like, over time, I think he's played a lot more. Yeah, true. All right, John Munch, our Kingdom Hearts expert in the lineup, <laughs> exactly as I drew up this show. A basic story set up for Kingdom Hearts. You play as a young boy, Sora, who gets swept up in an adventure with Disney and Final Fantasy characters. You travel to different worlds trying to stop the Heartless and seal the door to Kingdom Hearts. After the first game, the cast sprawls like a George R.R. R. Martin property and the story gets super duper duper convoluted. The core gameplay loop includes traveling to different worlds from Disney and Final Fantasy properties, fighting endless streams of mobs, earning XP and leveling up. Nobody notices a typo in the show notes. Everybody shut up. You watch your party members die over and over again, and you learn not to equip items to them because they just burn them with reckless abandon, and it's a complete waste of resources. You take on a crap load of bosses, and then you run out of time, and you record a podcast about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> That's accurate. Pretty much. You got it. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, the Kingdom Hearts Dark Saga, Dark Seeker Saga entails a whole slew of games. I'm going to read these off. This is going to be the title of the game, the year it came out, and the system that it came out on. The original Kingdom Hearts released in 2002 on the PlayStation 2. Chain of Memories followed in 2004 for the Game Boy Advance. Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005 for the PS2. Kingdom Hearts Recoded came out in 2010 on the DS, although it was originally... Prior to that, a mobile game in Japan. 
Then you have the terrifically titled 358 Over Two Days, which released in 2009 on the DS, which apparently was out of order in the uh, article that I copied this from. <laughs> well, then, I think Recoded came out earlier than 2009 on mobile, oh, but then the DS port was after 358 Over Two Days. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Thank you, Burns. Yeah. Then we have Birth by Sleep in 2010 on yet another console, the PSP, the mm-hmm. PlayStation Portable. Mm-hmm. Then you have Dream Drop Distance in 2012 on the 3DS. Then you have Kingdom Hearts Cross or Unchained Cross in 2013 on Android and OS. And then the culmination in Kingdom Hearts 3 in 2019 on the PlayStation 4. For the purpose of this podcast, for the focus of this podcast, we worked on the Kingdom Hearts all-in-one package, which does not include absolutely everything on that list. So the well, first, or it includes it, but it includes it as like just like a video of all the cutscenes and some things that they sort of fit in in between there. Yeah, it's very confusing. A little bit. It's a it's a little confusing. You just start at the top and you go down it's, in order. It's not that confusing, you know. The first thing. The, I mean, the naming structure like that it's just perfect. Yeah. I, I don't I oh. understand like, come on yeah. 356 days over two right yeah. birth by sleep chain yeah. of memories they all make sense they yeah. all fit right together 358 over two days is definitely before birth by sleep i mean you just know that it's just the natural yeah. progression of things the, uh... because it's over two it's over here. Yes, yes. The naming convention makes about as much sense as the story, but we'll get into that. <laughs> the first thing I want to get out of the way right away, Burnsy, did we do this franchise dirty with this podcast? Like, are we going to completely besmirch the good name of Kingdom Hearts on our <laughs> beloved little podcast? Well, I guess I don't know if you can really besmirch the name of Kingdom Hearts. I feel like if you throw Kingdom Hearts on in like a forum or, or some sort of like internet area, uh, it's going to get like lots of flack, lots of praise and everything in between um, or lots of indifference, I think, um, seeing as how it didn't have a mainline you know, game for you know a decade and a half. So I don't know that we're going to necessarily besmirch it, but there was a reason why at least a half dozen times I was like, are we really trying to play as much of it as possible? Like, I, I think I asked you that. I'm not I'm not joking. At least a half dozen times. It's like, are we going to just limit this down to like the first game and the second game? Or and I said, nope, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> if it's in the package, it's on the podcast. <laughs> But Bernsey, let me let me poke at that a little bit because you and I we both had over a year to play this franchise. Uh, we've had these we've been sitting on these games, and the original co-host was also in that same boat. Yeah. Um, why didn't we manage to get all the way through this package in a year? Do you think? Like for me, I started I actually started prepping for this show before our '90s video game movie last year, and like I never finished one. And like, granted, yeah. I put over forty hours into this franchise now, and I feel pretty well prepared for this discussion. But like. Uh, I don't know why I couldn't just focus and get... Well, I know why, but I'll let you speak first. Uh, I think I think the biggest difficulty was that we had to start with the original game, Kingdom Hearts. Um, and, and I made an added blunder, which didn't really help with that. But I, I feel like it's just one of those things where it's definitely the clunkiest game out of the ones that I've played to go back and play. Um, and even though they made the, you know, updated resolution version for the final mix that they put together, um, and I think they even did some updated visuals and stuff like that when they re-released it as part of the 1.5 and 2.5 final mix, um, but 
I still think the things that they couldn't fix was just the the gameplay, which has not really withstood the test of time. Um, you know, it definitely shows that it's an almost 20-year-old game. So am I hearing that old games suck and that we should never go back to them? Like, it's a fruitless endeavor? Uh, no. This old game maybe sucks uh, or is really hard to play. Uh, I think the analogy I want to use is... What was that? A few years ago, I think it was your... It was some get-together that we had here, and we decided to play... I think it was it was either Perfect Dark it was or Perfect it was Dark. Goldeneye. Um, and remember how, you know, looking back on it, back in the N64 days when we were playing those games on N64, they were the best. They were awesome. Everything was phenomenal. The controls were, like, perfect. And trying to go back and play that now, it was like, oh my god, this controls like hot garbage. And it's like everything's like super fast and moves all over the place. And it's like, how in the heck did I move with the C stick, you know, or or you know, and, and it's just like I, I feel like this game out of the out of all of them, like the controls probably when it came out were palatable. They were probably still pretty difficult, pretty floaty. Um, but I think that was sort of the main detriment, was that it was really hard to get going on it. Plus then we always had like this game to play for something that was coming up sooner or this to play or, or this game pass game to put some time into. And so, you know, it, it just, it was one of those things where it really needed the, t- the, the, uh, it needed the deadline to be coming up to be like, okay, I just got to plow through this. Cause I'm not necessarily enjoying it, I would say. So I think that I think that was ended, ended up being what was the knock on it, and, and made I, it difficult to really get into it. I'll add a quick note before we kick it over to John. Like that deadline is was hard in this show. Like we're going off of Final Fantasy 16, which is a new and awesome and very enjoyable game. And then we uh, do the podcast prep for that. We record the podcast, and then it's all Kingdom Hearts. After that, it's like oh, this. This is rough. John, we had Elden Ring before that. Um, Plus, yeah, then the Game Pass games each month. And so it's just like stuff stuff kept popping up in the way, um, at least for me anyway, where it's like, oh, okay, well, you know. Because I I do believe I started playing it. I started messing around with it in like February-ish, I believe. Yeah, and you're like, this game sucks. We're never going (laughs) to... (laughs) <laughs> follow through on this. I think that was probably the third or fourth time then and I was like, hey, Tom, you sure we want to play all of these? <laughs> Oops, sorry. John, we'll turn to you. You had roughly 10 days to prepare for this podcast. A, <laughs> thanks for jumping in on very short notice. B, do you think that we did this franchise dirty trying to cover the entire Kingdom Hearts uh, Dark Seeker saga in one show? No, I don't think so. Um considering that I did a 30 minute YouTube video that caught me up with everything except for Kingdom Hearts 3 in like a great way the the story everything about Kingdom Hearts is all over the place so I don't think you trying to jam this into one show I think it's perfect right because honestly it's it's none of, none of it matters right and I will like I agree wholeheartedly with Joey like the these games do not age well right and their biggest fault they don't respect the time. Look, mm-hmm. like right now, Alder's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, right? And like Theater Rhythm, Octopath 2, all games that I'm playing through right now. Diablo 4. And I was like, gosh, while I was playing all these Kingdom Hearts games, I was like, I just would, I want to be playing any other, any of the other ones. Any of the other ones. And look, I am a huge Final Fantasy fan and a huge Disney fan. 
right? Like this game was made for me, right? Because these are like my two favorite things that mash them together. But man, like I remember as soon as I got past like the intro and I hit the gummy ship in one, I was like, I gotta do this stupid gummy ship every time I go between the board. No, I, I don't have time for that. And then I got to like the first Alice's Kingdom in the first one and like, I'm running around trying to find where I'm going and the map is horrible and like the jumping's bad. And it's like, nope, I remember being frustrated with this like 20 years ago, but you, it was just, that's what games were. You don't have to be that frustrated. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> the next thing I want to touch on is just establishing our nerd credit for the show. Let's just go around the horn real quick with how far we made it in each one of the games. Uh, we'll go me, then Joey, then John. Kingdom Hearts 1. I made it to the final, final boss fight. I made it to the last fight before you get to the string of boss fights at the end. That was a nice finish for you, by the way. Yeah. I made it to Alice in Wonderland, which is probably about four hours in. It's the first Disney World. Yeah, and I basically, but I have played this all the way through multiple times. So I was like, oh yeah, I remember all this. And I watched the YouTube videos and remember, 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 remember. I ain't doing the Little Mermaid scene again. I ain't doing none of that. I'm out. <laughs> God, I hated the Little Mermaid. Chain of Memories. I played five hours. I made it to the fifth floor. I played. I played like on the around on the first floor. I got to like where the end of the first floor would be. I watched a YouTube video and it showed me what happened in Chain of Memories. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Two. I played roughly three hours. I got to the end of the intro and I'm like, wow, I really want to see what happens at the end of Kingdom Hearts One to set all this up. I played four ish hours. I got through. Um, up to the Mage's Tower where you go to meet the guy whose name I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I, I like I clocked on my save like six or seven hours, but I only played probably about three of that because I kept falling asleep while getting through the boringest part that is everything rocks just in the beginning. Uh -huh. um, I actually only got like right up to Hollow Bastion. Disagree vehemently on Rock says, Kingdom Hearts 3, I made it four hours and 20 minutes into this game. I made it past the intro. You go back to Traverse Town and I was wandering around there a little bit. I played the very beginning of, well, sorry, actually, not 3, 2.9, because it definitely popped onto the screen, Kingdom Hearts 2.9, um, right before I got to the save point. It's just like, okay, I guess I didn't play 3. I just played the prologue of 3 a little bit. So I got like 30 minutes into it. I got to where you meet Hercules, is basically how It was a long intro. Like, that was kind of a... It was like three intros. It's like, okay, here's the, the video that plays when you launch the game, then you hit start new game, and you set your couple settings, and then it's like, okay, here's another summary of everything that happened up until this point, and then the tutorial is showing you pictures of what happened up until this point. It's like, okay, I kind of see where we're going here. Uh, I got just past where Joy was at. So I met Hercules, right? I also saw the 2.9 thing and chuckled. I was like, gosh, just just pick a lane. Kingdom <laughs> Hearts, come on. It's three, uh, right? <laughs> Did get far enough, though, to like really enjoy the fact that, like, wow, they got like Tate Donovan back. They got James Woods back. Like, yeah. the voice acting. Like, they got everybody back through all these games, right? And impressive just because they got those people yeah. whether or not they're fantastic or not that's your own opinion i saw this in a video summarizing the uh series or maybe i read it in an article i saw it somewhere but apparently with any disney voice acting property the original voice actor always gets first crack at it no matter where they license out that property they always have to offer it to the original uh voice actors first before it goes to anyone else did you guys yeah. notice at all or who was the genie 
then in the Aladdin sequences? Uh, who the? Well, I guess it would be the one, the uh, the guy who did Homer Simpson, right? Because he did the cartoon. Yep. yep. So it was yeah, yeah Dan Castellaneta, Castellaneta yeah. who does the voice of yeah. Homer Simpson. Yeah. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah. Well, he does the voice in the uh, the animated series too. Yeah. 358 over 2. I made it in roughly 100 days, which I think is a third to a halfway through that video. Yeah, I, I watched the whole thing. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, I was really digging it too. I just ran out of time. I didn't even look at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's as far as I made it, Burnsy. Uh, was there anything else on your list that I missed? I watched all of the intro videos for all of the games that were on the the one and two final mix, as well as then a some of the intros that were on like the 2.8 what a collection whatever um just to get a gist of like where those went and then read a little bit online about what the different games were about all right way to win at the prep work burns good job <laughs> initial reactions to kingdom hearts one john how did this game compare with your memory of it you've beaten it multiple times jumping back into it in 2020 god what year is it 23 did i get that right yes yeah yes. 23 right now yeah so when, when 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 did this come out like 2003 2002 oh, yeah, over 2002 all right wow yeah, this game so, is old enough to I drink mean, <laughs> it is old it that, is old. that explains the story um, it it does not hold up it you know nostalgia is amazing and normally nostalgia can get me through quite a bit right like you know there is some old i love old games and you know you i can play a bad old game a good old game but man it is just the the combat in one is just slow and boring and it is just hit x hit x hit x hit x and hit X. At least as you progress through, they started adding more stuff in two and three. But like, I just found the comment, the combat to be a slog. Um, they still nail the Disney stuff, though. Like to give them credit, like I was, you know, a huge fan of both one and two when they came out. Right, that novelty of having Final Fantasy and Disney as like this weird acid trip mashup, right, was so cool at that time. But we like live in a post smash brothers world right where like you play smash and sonic and mario and everybody's there jamming out playing together and it's not that big of a deal anymore to, to, like this was like fan fiction come to life right back then so it was just really cool and then huge disney person and they they, they did nail that like, mickey's cool donald and goofy like can be annoying but they are still like donald and goofy so that was a good but, I mean, I was even playing it like my daughter was next to me and she was like, all right, I'm going to go. <laughs> she got bored. My 10-year-old daughter, right, got bored. So so you hated it. As Your daughter hated it. The whole Munch family turned on the original Kingdom Hearts and you still made it further than Brian did in <laughs> Tales from the Borderlands. That's pretty remarkable. <laughs> That's true. Did you ever play the OG Kingdom Hearts back in the day? Did you have any nostalgia goggles going back to this game? Uh, I, I mean, I still actually own the original PlayStation 2 disc of, of Kingdom Hearts 1. I did play it a bunch. I know I didn't finish it. I, otherwise, I don't have much of a recollection of like playing it at all. The one thing I thought I remembered was actually like at the start of 2, which is weird because I didn't ever own 2, I don't think. 
but I must have played it somewhere. Um, so that was weird. But uh, the only other thing I could remember was that trying to build a gummy ship was incomprehensible. Um, and that still checks. <laughs> that still tracks. Uh, you know? So let's talk about the stupid gummy ships for a minute. Cause like John touched on it earlier and I just, I hated the gummy ships with a burning fiery passion. And for most of the game, I just avoided it. Like I rocked that starter gummy ship for a very long time. Yeah. It's pointless, right? Like, look, I don't need to play, like, in the first game, completely horrible because it is so slow. You don't do any target locking, just boring. At least in 2, they threw the, the Panzer Dragoon style fighting in. It was a little bit more fun. But still, I don't need to have this, like, extra game tacked on to the game you're already doing. I just, I want to get over and I want to go, like, go to the Coliseum and hang out with Hercules. I want to go see Jack Sparrow, right? That's what I want to do. I don't want to be on this weird gummy ship. I finally caved about two-thirds of the way through the game, which, from talking to Tom, was probably when I should have upgraded my ship anyway. Um, and I just, like, took, like, 20 minutes or whatever. And it's like, I've been getting all of these random things, pieces, like, all the way throughout the game. Yeah, you find them in, like, treasure chests and yeah. all over the world. Like, you're constantly building your array of gummy ship pieces. Yeah, and even then... Like, I still didn't have everything I needed for, like, most of the blueprints that I had. I could <laughs> I could make one other one. Like, uh, I was right before going to Hollow Bastion towards the end of the game when I finally jumped in and needed to upgrade my ship. And, like, I could only make one of the other, like, blueprints that I found, which was super frustrating. I'm like, all right, well, I'll try this other one. The other one didn't have guns on it. <laughs> didn't have guns on it. So, like, I just had to try to sprint through this board and, like, try to avoid everything which was super duper fun and like the ultimate power fantasy it's like, oh yeah let's be defenseless in space with all these enemies <laughs> flying around so then after that mission i go and i put guns on it they're pointing in the wrong direction <laughs> so i fly on the next mission and like the guns are shooting me the player in the face i'm like what, what the hell like what's going on here and it uh yeah they're just facing the wrong direction so uh that was fun yeah. gummy ships great and pointless <laughs> <laughs> so i ended up it was the Carbuncle Blueprint was what it was called. And it was it ended up just being this huge box. And then I put, like, two of, like, the cannons on it and then two of, like, the heavy lasers on it. Uh, and it was pretty amazing how, like, when I first went out with it, it's like things are getting highlighted. I'm just mowing stuff down. And then I realized that I can't just, like, spam the shoot button with, like, heavy lasers because you run out of power pretty fast. Oh, so it's like I couldn't shoot stuff after a third of the way through. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, well, I sort of just sort of blew all the way through the map and got to where I was going and then had to take some more time later to figure out what I did wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just such a pain to try to to try to figure out how to build stuff in there and like how to orient everything. There was multiple times where I accidentally deleted like half the ship and it's just like, I didn't mean to do that. No. Yeah. I think the gummy ship builder would only work in VR, but ultimately <laughs> gummy ship sucks. And I think that's enough time talking about it. John, having played this game multiple times before, did you jump back in and like bump the difficulty up to proud or what? No. Cause I was trying to burn. I just kept it normal. I was like, eh, I really don't want to like have to like work hard here. Yeah. I just wanted to, get a taste deal for everything fair enough and after all the fun you had with slog to yomi burns uh what difficulty <laughs> level did you try this game on yeah so i tried it i tried it on the proud difficulty um and I, just as a word of warning if anybody hears this conversation today and decides they want to jump in and play kingdom hearts um you should not play on that difficulty setting because 
Even though, like, switching back... So I played through the first six hours-ish of the game um, with that. I, I made it to the first, like... I think it's... Is it the only boss that you have in the in Alice in Wonderland? Where the table one? The, yeah, the table one. Uh, I could not beat that on that difficulty because it's just, like... It seemed like I was doing, like, no damage and had to hit things at least three or four times more than I needed to hit them on normal difficulty. Um, and so I had to restart the game because, you you know, 2002 game, you can't change the difficulty after you start. So, yeah, went back to the beginning, plowed through as much of it as, as I could, as fast as I could uh, to get myself caught up. But, yeah, um, added six hours to the playtime with that. But, yeah, it's just everything took so many more hits. Like it was, it was amazing to be able to actually feel like I was doing some damage for once. Um, once I switched it back on that setting. So, uh, yeah, even if you're like a trophy hunter, it's like, Oh, if I just play through it on this difficulty setting, I'll unlock all these trophies at once. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be worth it. Especially like how tough some of those fights get later in the game. Like, my God, I couldn't even imagine. Exactly. Like you're telling me about playing on proud when I was fighting Riku. I'm like, Oh, Burns is going <laughs> to loathe this. But, uh, on, while we're talking about boss fights, you guys can disagree if you want, but I thought the boss fights were largely unfun and overall just detracted from the experience. Um, some were and some weren't. I I, I feel like it was very uneven. Uh, there were some I felt like you had a little bit more control over what to do. Um, but there were some where you didn't have to jump and you could actually control your character and execute things the way that you wanted to. Oh yeah. I mean, that was the, that was the hardest thing to get used to early on in the earlier boss fights is like how targeting works and how to time jumping and hitting things. And when you can like do it without getting smoked. Um, and when, you know, when, when you can't, uh, so I think that was, uh, that was another thing that just took a while to wrap your head around uh with the boss fights in the game uh i i do think some of them are fun but there's a lot of difficulty with there, there were some of them that were just way too cumbersome um and way too much of a pain there was multiple times i would scream throughout the boss fights yeah there were some gimmicks that were super frustrating some of the ones i had to look up ursula i had no idea how to handle Ursula. Like, uh, Jafar took me forever. I just couldn't figure out how to get to the same platform as him and to actually like hit him. That was super frustrating. That was almost my breaking point with KH one. Oh, so that one, that one actually, I didn't have much of a difficulty with that at all. Maleficent, I had to look up, and Riku and Ansem. So a couple, three endgame bosses in there. Yeah, they're supposed to be hard, but uh, for the most part, I did not enjoy the boss fights in this game at all. And coming off of Elden Ring, which we played a couple months ago, uh, like incredible, phenomenal boss design. And even though the bosses in that game gave me anxiety and kind of detracted from that experience for me, uh, I thought it was a lot more fun and a lot easier to learn and progress than it was fighting stupid Ursula and her cauldron. Well... I feel like in those in like Souls games or, or any modern game, you have some you tend to have more weapons at your arsenal um, than you do in Kingdom Hearts One. Uh, and like I'll admit, like I played through the majority of Kingdom Hearts One um, following a walkthrough just to because we're gonna get into it, I'm sure as well. But some of like the level design is just so dang obtuse. As to like, oh, you have to jump to this map three boards over and then you have to come back to this one. It's just like, I got sick of that like super fast. I'm just like, you know, I 
I'm fine with like exploring in some games, not this one. I'm going to say, okay, now I have to go back here. Now I have to go back here. Um, because it was just, it just got way too cumbersome too much of the time. And so there were some boss fights where I saw like a little bit of like the strategy, um, going in, but even then I think the walkthrough I was following was pretty garbage in some of those instances and it didn't really explain how to attack some of the bosses anyway. So... Well, let's talk about exploration a little bit. I think uh, you were specifically referencing Deep Jungle, Tarzan's World there, where you have to jump between the three areas. That was a mess. And like, mm-hmm. I'm, one note that I made early on in Kingdom Hearts is like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just bumbling around Wonderland. And then uh, it took a while in Deep Jungle to realize, like, oh, I just have to bounce between these three same areas over and over and over again. And I have a feeling that's part of the game side. And it's a, because... They want you to get into the same fights over and over and over again to level. So it's almost like we're going to confuse the players so they really don't have a clear path so that they just get enough time in the game. Because if you just know the clear path, you can go boom, 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 and you're there. But you can never get to the clear path. And when I started playing Alice in Wonderland and I was in those woods, I was like, okay, where are the four things? I have no idea where these four things are. And I'm like, everything started to click and I started to remember. And I was like, oh yeah, I am not going to do this. I'm not doing the Tarzan stuff. I'm not doing the Peter Pan stuff. I'm not doing the Little Mermaid stuff. I'm out. Peace out, homie. Well, we've been pretty negative so far. Bernsey, did you ever find a sweet spot in this game? Did you get into a rhythm at any point? Uh, so, I mean, I, I, like... The stuff leading up to Tarzan, I, I felt like from like a map exploration perspective, it just felt like you were going over the same areas over and over and over again, like five times. It's like, it was like NASCAR. You're just like, you're on the same loop over and over and over again, kind of as you went through it until you could unlock the one little thing to open up a new little area. Um, I think some of the, I, I think Agrabah was a lot better um, just from an exploration standpoint. And there was, and I think the dungeon uh, I can't remember what the name of it is, but when you go down into the mouth in the in the desert, the cave of wonders. There you go. Um, I, that was that was like probably one of the first high points of the game um, because it was just it was fun to sort of make your way around and like puzzle out how to get some of the different areas. So that was where it was more successful than like Deep Jungle was for me. Yeah, I clicked earlier than that for me. I actually got into the flow in Deep Jungle as strangely designed as that was and as clunky as it was exploring that's when i'm like oh this combat's pretty fun like oh yeah all right i'll cast lightning i'll jump around and like i was feeling it uh the boss fight struck down for me but i this game for as negative as i've been so far really clicked with me early on and for the most part i enjoyed it up until the soul crushing gauntlet at the end of this game yeah so i think one of the problems i had with the deep jungle specifically was there was one spot where in order to climb up out of it to go to another area, there's like a vine on a tree trunk. And it's like, I just couldn't see that forever. And and it's like, I needed something to be much more like clear that this was the platform. Because otherwise it's like, I get there and it's like, okay, well, where's the vine I have to go to next? And that was just like, that was so frustrating to me until I finally like was able to place like where that was at um so yeah then it got a little bit it, it got a little bit better once i finally realized what that was and how to get out of that area but at least the platforming controls were like super tight and great right like it was easy to find where you needed to jump and how to oh grab on and pull gosh. yourself up like that was a high point right burns so like especially with the vines 
sometimes they would get out of sync with each other and you just could not jump to the next vine. It would be like a split, like a, like a, a quarter second of like, oh, I got hit triangle now. Oh, no, I got go now. And it's just like, it was such a pain um, if that got timed out. And then if you fell, you would drop yourself somewhere else and you have to circle your way all the way back. Um, you know, and even like the areas, like when you're going down to the mages area in uh, Traverse Town, and it's like, they have these four moving platforms in the water. And if you miss one of those, you got to swim slowly all the way back to the beginning and try to jump over them again. And it's just like, why? Like, why do you add this platforming in here with these floaty ass controls that just like, it's so imprecise to try to land and you're fighting with the camera as well as just floating through the air. Um, so I, yeah. The platforming was really difficult in a lot of instances. With with Agrabah, I feel like because it was more enclosed and it was much easier to sort of jump towards something and then like either grapple onto it or make the jump completely. So I think in the in the levels where they had more of that uh, available for you to do or it was much more enclosed, I think it was more successful from a level design. Um, I didn't have as many problems with Atlantica as you guys seem to have had with uh, the Little Mermaid area because... Hated got, it with the burning fiery passion. <laughs> I got used to the swimming. Uh, like, the the whole, like, special ability you got to be able to swim upstream, that was pretty maddening because it would work maybe half the time. Um, you know, and the first time I used it, it was perfectly fine. Then the next time I had to go back through there, it was like, oh, my gosh, I can't make it. Um so yeah, overall in general, like the platforming and getting from point A to point B overall was really frustrating, but there was a lot of that stuff in the middle was a little bit better. And then from a combat perspective, uh, I feel like kind of in that same area, the end of Agrabah to like when you go to Hollow Bastion the first time, like through that, I feel like the combat hit like a really good sweet spot where like you had enough enemies and you had to be strategic about what you're attacking first, how you're positioning yourself. But it wasn't to the point where it's like you're just getting hammered by everything from everywhere and and like they weren't like such like hit sponges where you had to hit them so many times. But then that second time you go back to Hollow Bastion, then it's just like, oh my God, it's such a slog to get through any drop of enemies and they'll drop like three mobs like it got to the point where eventually I'm just running whenever I can just through everything because it's just like I've already fought people in this room probably a half dozen to a dozen times. It's just like I, I, I'm good. I'm ready <laughs> to try to find my way through this stupid like platform area to get myself to wherever I needed to go. That's enough of those shield dudes, huh? Yeah. John, we'll turn to you here for a second. What was it about this game that captured your imagination back in the day? Was it the combat? Was it the story? What was... What made Kingdom Hearts just such a phenomenon when it originally came out and it was a new game? Characters, right? It was. It was what I talked about earlier. It's that, man, like, there's all these Final Fantasy characters, right? You you have this ability to say, oh, I can take these different worlds, right? And say, well, yeah, I got you know, Leon and here's Eris and here's all these people that like I love from all these other games. Here's Cloud and here's, you know, Auron and awesome Final Fantasy characters, Titus and Waka right here on the beach with me. This is great, right? And then here is Donald and Goofy and Mickey and Minnie. 
and all these characters from my youth, right? Because they do a really good job of, you know, they took classic Disney, the Hunter One Dalmatians, Peter Pan, the Alice in Wonderland, you know, Maleficent, all that cool stuff from when we were kids, right? And then they started bringing in the things that were, you know, now they're, you know, old, but it was Aladdin, it was Tarzan. Those were the movies that had just came out recently. Right. And being a huge Disney guy, I was like, oh, this is great. This is so much fun. And you're basically it was a good version at the time of getting to play actually like kind of a fun combat game or a fun like Disney game where it's based somewhat on the story of those, which was fun. Right. And I had a good time with that. And yeah, I wanted to see where it was go. And, and I think when you did one and two, it didn't have as much of this craziness, this backstory around mm-hmm. it. It was just like, oh, here's this kind of fun. It's a little weird, but like, here's Donald and Goofy, and here's King Mickey, and oh, Mickey's got a blade, and it's a key. That's cool. And I think that's lost its luster over time. Well, the story in one was relatively tight. Like, Maleficent is gathering the different princesses from the world, and she's trying to do a big bad thing, and you stop her, and you're like, oh, well, someone else was pulling the strings. All right, go stop them. Close the door. Boom. Game over. Four main characters. And then it sprawls like crazy, starting with uh, Rechain after that. Brunzi, your thoughts on the story of Kingdom Hearts 1, now in 2023? Uh, I actually, I did, I enjoyed overall the story of Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh... The, the one thing that I really disliked about the game, um, and it was partially the story, but partially how, like, what they did within the game to, like, turn you against parts of the story. But it's like, I hated Riku, like, so much. It's like, you fight him the first time, and he's the hardest fight you have when you're just dueling on the island. Um, and then every time you fight him, it's just like a pain and it's frustrating and he's making the most stupid boneheaded decisions possible. Um, but then you fight a boss fight with him and it's like tough as nails, really difficult. You know, you'll get killed a few times and it's just like, like the game, I think made me hate Riku more than they meant to because of like the confluence of those two things, because at the end of that and then what they do with him in the stuff in between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 is to try to sort of soften you towards him a lot more in that sure he was being manipulated by Maleficent and then taken over by Ansem you know, and all this stuff but it's like um, I still I still just like hated him because he's just a, he's a jerk and then he's just he just keeps making stupid decisions and making things more difficult for me well I mean are they trying to soften it towards him or is he on a redemptive arc like I think there's a lot of room for growth with that character and I think yeah. that's what they're going for yeah yeah no I th- I'm, I'm, and I'm sure that's I'm sure that's what it was um but that was the thing otherwise (laughs) um i I did like the story i thought it was funny i I like laughed a little bit more than i maybe should have when they would like sort of filter out some of the people it's like oh they're not princesses like when hook like realizes that wendy isn't a princess it's just like oh okay gtfo wendy you're not important (laughs) enough (laughs) you're not one of the seven princesses (laughs) oh the heck with you so i thought that was kind of a that was a funny dynamic um, you know, and somehow Kyrie, like the fact that Disney allowed them to say one of their own original characters could be a princess was surprising to me too. Um, but yeah, I, otherwise I did really enjoy the story. Um, oddly, I think the story made me more intrigued by like the stuff that happened that I saw in Chain of Memories 
and especially 358 over two days and the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2, um, I'm positive it starts to go even more off the rails after as far as I've made it. So I reserve, I reserve the ability to backtrack on saying that I actually really like the story of Kingdom Hearts um, until I would experience more of that stuff. You didn't um, watch the video that John shared? I did not watch the video because... You know, because you're going to go back and finish all these games. You're going to play all of Kingdom Hearts. Not, not instantly ever, but I feel like over time I am going to work my way through it because I'm, I'm more intrigued than I thought I was going to be coming in. Um, because I always kind of laughed at sort of those Kingdom Hearts bobos out there that like just love the series and yeah, sure. The story is kind of incomprehensible, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just really neat. These different characters, you know, and, and, uh, Roxas and Aqua and blah, 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 blah. And I don't even know who Aqua is. Well, actually, she's a character in Birth by Sleep, I believe. Um, or it's introduced in Birth by Sleep. But um, so it's like, I don't know. I, I've started to sort of buy into that a little bit. Um, so I, I'm curious when that maybe starts to fall off if I keep playing through it. And, you know, it definitely helped playing through Kingdom Hearts 2 as much as I did. And I think part of it was sort of, you're coming off of what was super horribly controlling in one and difficult. And then it's like, oh, hey, things are just much smoother and look better in Kingdom Hearts 2. 2 was such a fantastic leap forward. I'm like, oh, this is actually really fun. I should <laughs> finish one. Yeah. You know, and they have you do platforming challenges and it actually like kind of feels right. And you're like mostly going where you're planning on going. And the, the camera's not like all foobar like like that's like one of the hardest part about the one of the riku boss battles is it's like the camera just won't you like lock onto him and the camera won't even stay on it it's just like how am i supposed to like do anything when your camera's just like half following the action half just like staring off into the distance it's just like what in the world like that just adds the difficulty to it it's interesting that uh you're buying into the story at this point as Burns, you're one of my closest friends, and you have done a lot of time on mic with me. So I'm going to tell you this from uh, the <laughs> kindest part of my heart. Watch the video that John sent and see if you're still into the story. Because, like, it, it is – I don't even know how to explain how convoluted it is. Like, the somebody's, nobody's, everything. Like, it's just – it is crazy how many different iterations there are of characters, of – John, can you contextualize this at all for me? Like, I'm really struggling with my words. Like, the video you sent is 30 minutes that summarizes all of Kingdom Hearts, and it's like, oh, I am interested, but I'm probably never playing these games again. Exactly, and it's interesting. The guy who did this video, right, it's, it's like the good enough story of Kingdom Hearts. He sat with one of those Kingdom Hearts uber knowledge people for seven hours, and the guy just, and like, he did it on stream, right? So then he condensed it all for us. And it is, it is bonkers. Like, I, I will tell you this, the fact, and someone else, this is someone else, said, they pointed in a comment of something, and it might have been the YouTube video itself, but someone said, right, a key thing of Kingdom Hearts, right, is when you lose your heart, that becomes a heartless, and the thing that's left is a no body, right? Wouldn't it make sense for those two things to be swapped around? That if you <laughs> were the heart that yeah. was leaving... That would have no body, and the other thing left is the nobody, but he's heartless. Just just that alone to me sums up Kingdom Hearts. Like you were being confusing for no reason. And it just gets bonkers. They keep adding on 
layers and layers and layers. So not only do you have like when you're a nobody, you're a different character than when you're you're somebody, right? And then your heartless is a different character, right? So then you can have, and then they add time travel in the mix. So then you have good Ansem, bad Ansem, young Ansem, old Ansem. Uh, <laughs> Ansem can like go into people, and then you like have people stealing memories that are going into other people. And right? there's amnesia. Oh, there's amnesia. There's yeah, time travel. There is like just every trope you want throw it in and i think it's and and then add in that like also i'm gonna be like really philosophical about all this stuff and like like that you know and i love anime but it's that anime-esque i'm gonna be weird just to be weird like you're trying to be evangelion here and you're it's evident like but you got disney characters it doesn't make sense and why do you have to put x in everybody's name and then like eight games down the road you realize that the act is actually like some special thing that you get by being a certain nobody a part of organization <laughs> it is crazy town right See, and seriously I tell watch you, that video watch the video because this guy does a great job of explaining it and you're like okay this all kind of does make sense it actually made playing two coming into it. I'm like, oh, I see totally what they're doing with Roxas and this and that. And that's kind of a cool thing, right? You're doing it in the worst way possible because I'm bored <laughs> out of my mind riding a skateboard around trying to deliver mail, right? But I see what you're doing. That's cool, right? But yeah, but when they take goes that off the rails. when they take that skateboard away from you, you miss the crap out of that skateboard. When you become Sora after being Roxas and you don't have a skateboard anymore, it's such a it's tr trudging around freaking Twilight Town is such a pain in the arse. Um, but going back, I do feel like I feel like part of the reason why if you played Kingdom Hearts originally, that's this is the one thing I want to find out. I feel like if you played Kingdom Hearts originally and you played it in the order the things were released, it makes less sense because they added things in later that helped bridge the gap between a lot of that. Like 358 over two days was released after Kingdom Hearts 2, I believe. Um, and so it's one of those things where watching that before I played Kingdom Hearts 2... Like, I was all for then jumping in as Roxas right at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2. Let's set that up real quick. 358 over 2 deals with different characters from Kingdom Hearts 1. It's uh, Roxas and it's uh, Axel is the other dude's name. Yep. And it focuses really on those two characters. And then in the open and of Xion. Kingdom Hearts 2 and Xion, the opening of Kingdom Hearts 2, you're not playing as Sora's anymore. You're playing as Roxas. And so, like, I jumped from 1 to 2 to 3 and played a few hours of each before going back to try to finish 1. And it's like, oh, I don't know who this new character is, but, like, they set up this really creepy, like, haunted house Matrix vibe. I'm like, oh, I am really into this. And then, like, you find out that uh, Sora's, like, asleep in a pot. I'm like, oh. Well, that's weird, but like I'm really in. It would have been very interesting to approach it like you did, Burns, doing 358 over two first. Yeah, because it it like I mean it was because it was made afterwards. It flows like directly into like the end of 358 over two days is the start of Kingdom Hearts two. And knowing you as I do, Burns, and how you like to consume all of every game like in its intended order, how hard was it for you saying? I'm good on Kingdom Hearts 1 and jumping into this other stuff and doing some of the other things that you had to do to prepare for this podcast. Uh, so it was, it, I was fine with it once I got to the point. 
Um, and I was at the point because it would have been it would have literally been like basically for me to try to get through to the end. I would have had to have backtracked like 45 minutes of game time to go try to buy a bunch of items and see if that carried me through. It wouldn't have. But you need to go gauging, to those other worlds and like do a lot more grinding. I, I was gauging that I was probably, it was probably like a 25% chance that I could beat the game if I just had a bunch more items to heal and like get, you know, more magic juice and stuff like that. What I needed to do was go 100% everything else and over-level myself. Because the playthrough that I watched through the end of the game, like, the guy was supremely over-leveled. And still on some of those fights against, like, what, the fourth phase of Ansem or whatever, it's like he's still almost getting one shot by some of the hits that he's taking. It's like you have to take it. Like, it's so hard to try to dodge some of this stuff. And it's just like, yeah... No, I'm fine. Maybe at some point I'll go back. Because I did want to go back. Like, I first went back to the Olympus, uh, Olympus Coliseum. And I was just like, I'm going to do the... I, like, I really like the first two Coliseum battles. And then it's like, oh, 50. <laughs> 50 levels for the Hades Cup. So it's like, I got to like 42 or 1 and died. And I was just like, okay. Um, I, Never I, again. I missed the checkpoint. You're dead to me. I'm not... Like, eventually, maybe at some point when I'm not on a time schedule, I might go back and mess around with it and try to slowly improve through it. It was fun to go in and do the try to do the platinum match. Did you try that at all? No. <laughs> so, so it's Sephiroth is the platinum match. And so it's like him standing there and it's like, uh, and he like two hits and you're dead. <laughs> it's so funny. I did all that. <laughs> like when I originally played the game, like that's what I was like when you guys were talking about like how this boss, the end boss was so hard. I was like, man, I don't remember the boss being hard at all. It's because I yeah. did all of that stuff. I didn't beat the like I platinumed it when you didn't have platinum. Yeah, like, oh, I'm gonna get every ounce of game out of this that I can because I had free time in mm -hmm. 2002, right? I was in college. What else am I gonna do? Yeah, only young dumb no, people should have played Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> right so like yeah if you did everything then there wasn't a huge yeah. challenge it was if you just tried to play through and like i am just gonna try and like streamline this you're not gonna get anywhere because yeah you were it just turns into a slog well and it's funny because i was looking at a few different like game facts walkthroughs and stuff like that because it's like how can i am i just missing something in like these fights that i'm stuck in and like a lot of people are just like oh yeah if you're level 50 you should be able to get through it i was just like i'm like level 51 no this isn't happening <laughs> this is not working i'm not i'm not like getting through these these mobs like i made it through there's like a room where you're fighting these mobs that keep coming out and each mob you defeat like takes off a portion of the door. That was the worst part of this game. And like, I'm yeah. never going back and finishing the Ansem fight, but that Ansem was not the worst part. It was that stupid room yeah. with the degrading door. No, cause it's just, there's so many mobs in there and it's so hard not to get like, not to take so much damage and like, you know, and I'm jumping ahead maybe a little bit, but like, probably the lowest of the lows in this game or second lowest of the lows is the fact that there is such a time difference from when you hit the button to take something to either heal yourself either with a potion or use or use like magic to heal yourself it takes so long and in these fights where you're getting hit from like five different directions like you're going to get hit and killed before you can heal yourself. Were you using shortcuts or were you going through the menu for that? 
Um, when I was doing like magic, I was using shortcuts. Um, in the first game, I don't think you could put items on shortcuts. You could only do magic on shortcuts. Uh. Um, but it was just like I would. I got pretty quick at you know going down to items and selecting the first one because they're all healing at this point because I was not using magic. Um, and so other than like arrow. Um, so yeah, I, I just, it is, it is such a pain. <laughs> yeah. One has some issues. Well, let's look at kingdom hearts as a whole. What are our thoughts on the narrative that we've experienced or that we've seen, uh, videos of burns? It sounds like you're in, you liked one. You want to see where this story goes. You have actually expressed an interest in going back to these games. Like what is it that is pulling at you with the narrative? Uh, I mean, I think after the first game, like, I think it had a really good setup. And then some of the, I just, there's like just the right amount of weirdness. Now I'm guessing it sounds like it's going to go like to weirdness, like level a thousand. Yeah. You're like weirdness (laughs) level three now, and it's going to go up to 100 million billion. Right. And so, uh, I think that's, what's intriguing to me. Um, and, and I, I do really like a lot of the characters, um, especially Roxas. I, I did. I liked Roxas a lot. Like uh, that whole, I don't know. And and I think I think like I seriously said. I think a lot of it was the fact that we played our watch through 358 over two days because that like really connects you into his character so much. Um, you know, it gets a little weird at a point where you know his main love love interest Shion then starts looking like Sora, and it's just like yeah, Sora really loves himself apparently. <laughs> but uh, uh, shoot, Sora is Loki. <laughs> It's so weird, but uh, no, I, I just, I think it's, it's a really intriguing setup that it's got there and like where I'm pretty sure from like what I've played so far, like where it's going and who's like the person that's pulling the strings. Um, I, I don't know. I just, is interesting and I'm looking forward to seeing like where that goes. I'd wager you're wrong on who's pulling the strings, but John, I'm going to look at you now. You loved the original two games. You have watched a video that summarizes the story what are your feelings towards this narrative it's a beloved franchise for you but you've never really jumped into three like you didn't feel a need to go out and buy three at launch and plow your way through it so where do you come in on the overall story of kingdom hearts so yeah one and two loved right played through them fantastic right did not the only other one of these games that i played was i think birth by sleep is the psp one yeah right uh with aqua and i played through that right so i've played three of these games didn't get into the, any of the extended lore. And it was one of those things where, like, you know, you're watching from the outside and, like, I know that this is insanity and I am not going to catch up on all these games and just never jump back in, right? It has been fun jumping back in and watching that video to see, like, well, where did this story go? And I can definitely see having started one again and remembering everything that I played for and then starting two, I had the same feelings about two back when I originally played it. Like, I don't want to be doing this. I want to get into the game. And I don't feel like this is a game, right? I am doing side missions that I don't know why. I get after watching that video and hearing you guys talk about that, like, oh, okay, if you have the backstory and you know who Roxas is, right, and how it ties in, it gives it a little bit more, I don't know, just context so it's not maybe not as bad i still think the gameplay around all that is horrible i agree but story-wise it's it's decent i agree and i didn't have that context for roxas playing the opening of final or final fantasy 2 of kingdom hearts <laughs> 2 i thought they did a really good job of setting up just a weird 
quirky thing there because like there's all the weird stuff for the haunted house and you've got nominee up in the window and they like there's all this matrix stuff i'm like what the hell is going on here like clearly uh what i'm playing through is not like what's really happening in the world so like what is this setting up for what is this building for uh so i was really into two at that point and i just didn't make much time to get back to it and i i guess the problem with it too is when i play kingdom hearts i'm in for the disney man and you're making me slog through this stuff that I'm not seeing. I'm like, where's Donald and Goofy? Where's King Mickey? Right? And if you're coming from just KH1, and the end of Kingdom Hearts 1 is, you know, the door closes, and like, Mickey and, or Mickey, you gotta go find King Mickey, and you're with Donald and Goofy and Sora, and you're walking down the road, and you go right into Kingdom Hearts 2, and for the first several hours, you have to like, play as this random dude you don't know, right? <laughs> you're like, what? Man, I've been, and like, I've been waiting forever, and like that's like you know again. I'm I'm taking a little bit of how I felt when it originally came out, and saying like, yeah, I still feel that way now today, going from one to two, right? Like, yeah, I still don't like that decision they made here, um, because it would have been cool if you just take that and you drop it down to thirty minutes. Give me an intro. Give me a quick gameplay segment. Right? Introduce the nobodies. Introduce some of these other like villains and this and that really quickly but you're doing all these things with the people that I know come back later in the game, but just too slow of a start. Again, like I said, I fell asleep multiple times <laughs> playing through the beginning of this just because the gameplay was so boring. I don't need to do side quests before I had, I don't even know who the character is in a game where the map's not that great. And I keep getting turned around and like, now I have to like earn five grand for it only to be stolen from me <laughs> by King Mickey, that little thief, right? So just I'm still a little salty about that. Now once you get into the game, much better. It's all fun, right? They do some they do do some really cool stuff with two where you get to bring in like you know different worlds and live action people like you know Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff. So it's a great game. It's just the beginning, man. Well, I think it's fair to say that John hated the entire story of Kingdom Hearts with a burning, fiery passion. John, did the combat of this franchise at least salvage the experience for you? Uh, it did. Or it did the first time around, right? Uh, these are these are PlayStation Two games, man. One and two are PlayStation Two games, and not and like it's sometimes you can go back and you can play like a a Ratchet and Clank, right, or Jack and Daxter, or some something that has like a really tight platforming or you see like oh this is kind of cool from a historical standpoint to look at the like the building blocks of how did Ratchet and Clank turn into Rifts Apart right they've really matured that game franchise this is not that right <laughs> this is run around lock on hit X until the things die right hope Mickey and Donald or Mickey or Donald and Goofy don't mess everything up Wow, it's kind of cool because I got Beast with me and he's tearing in the guys. That's fun to watch, right? Um, I will say for the when I, you know, I, I sat down and I played about an hour of three, and that was just tonight, so it's really fresh. They've they did a great job of speeding things up, right? Out the gate, you have a dodge roll, you have like, you know, uh, uh, you know, that alone. Just, I can dodge, right? Mm -hmm. I can jump. They have this cool, like, you know, oh, I can, like, if you see the wall shimmer, you can zoom over to it and get special moves. The combat is just more fluid and fun, and there's more to it. Um, it's still, like, 
You can equip multiple keyblades at once. That's a huge improvement. Well, and, and even you just start off with like having the scan ability so you can see how much health yes. whatever it is that you're attacking has. Like that's annoying as crap when you don't have that. It's so irritating that, it, and it's, it's such a square thing. So small. Yeah. So small, but you don't realize like especially those first few bots in Kingdom Hearts, you're like, how much longer? How many more times? Am I doing anything? Am I doing this right? I keep hitting him in the hand over and over. And then Kingdom Hearts 3 starts up, and they always start you with these one of these big heartless guys. And like, oh, okay. Oh, he's got his health bar. I can see it. This isn't that bad, right? I'm doing something. Yeah. So, yes. But even that, when I was going, I was playing, I was like, I want to do stuff. Like, okay, you gave me this cool thing where I can, like, jump in the air. But first, I got to jump in the air to do it. And then I have to be by something that's shimmering so you can kick off it, right? And then you can do your special. So I, you end up like running around the board and like standing next to the thing you want to jump off of so you can get the better moves, right? And I'm like, you're making me like use your combat system in kind of a lame way. And when you come from stuff like God of War Ragnarok, where you're like, I am just destroying stuff and the moves i'm making make sense right i'm hearing you guys sit here and complain about kingdom one hearts and uh kingdom hearts one and kingdom hearts two and all i'm thinking of like oh well they're the elden they're the they're the dark souls of the playstation 2 era before dark souls <laughs> cool right because you've got to get good except it's it's not tight there's nothing tight like the controls are crap like the lock-on function the camera is everywhere right so nothing the selling point was Disney plus Final Fantasy and like a kind of cool story, right? And one hit that. Two starts to kind of fall apart, right? A little bit because, you know, it's kind of a rehash of one. We're just going to the same old worlds over and over. And now the story is getting weirder and weirder. So unless you are all in, you fall off because you're like, well, there's, I'm going to go play God of War because that's a foreign PlayStation 2 game. And you can go back to today, and it's still way more. It's still fun today. Well, uh, apparently John hates all of Kingdom Hearts, every aspect of it, and every facet. <laughs> Bernsey, was the your thoughts on the combat through the Kingdom Hearts that you experienced? Uh, I mean, it for the most part is really just a button mash. Um, you know, because you you have like your what your three hit combo, and that's like most of what it is, and then eventually you can unlock some different abilities to add to, you know, depending on what you want to allot your AP towards um, that will add extra things that you can do within that. But otherwise you're just thwack, thwack, thwack. And then like, Oh, hit this thing. It's here. Thwack, 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 hit this thing. It's here. You know, it was easy, but I enjoyed mowing through just hordes of the heartless. I thought that was fun. Like, Thought it was fun. The end. It was when you could blow through them, but when it was like all these huge things that have so much health and you're getting no help from your companions, like it was seriously problematic when you get to certain points in one. Um, because it's just like I have no help, and it's like I wish like these guys could take care of at least one of these enemies instead of me having to like try to hit everything. And it's like you got the guys with the shields, and then you got the big guys that you have to hit from behind, and you got the things that are flying all over the place in the air too. And it's just there's so much going on, and it's so hard to try to like prioritize anything because everything's moving around so fast. And yeah, the controls and the camera, especially in one. 
make it really difficult. It's a little bit better in two, but even like with the stuff earlier on with Roxas where you hit the triangle to dodge things, like the windows on some of those are so incredibly small. Um, so it just gets to the point where you're just spamming triangle to try to dodge whenever it pops up and then doing attack kind of alternating with it, um, which is, you know, a little bit silly. I thought that across the mainline entries, the progression of the games was really interesting. Like, one, we've talked a lot about one. Two, I thought, was a really interesting story set up, and I didn't get into um, the nuance of it all that deeply. Number three was so fresh and modern, like John said, with the wall running, switching between keyblades and all the modern stuff, and like the crazy attractions you can do in second forms. And it's like, wow, well, that's really, it's really interesting how these games evolved over two decades. Uh, but one of my favorite things in combat was the deck building in Chain. Like, Chain is a weird thing. It was a Game Boy Advance game. It's not an action RPG, a term that Burnsy loves, like the other mainline games. But I had a lot of fun building my deck in that game. And to me, Chain is my favorite Kingdom Hearts experience so far. Um, I mean, it is an action RPG because you're still moving around. You're still, you know, you're doing things like in real time. You don't have like a turn-based anything. Um, <clears throat> I, I, the thing I worry about with, because I think initially, like the little bit that I've played with it, uh, it's neat. But once that game starts to get difficult, I could see that being like incomprehensibly hard to play because of the balance between positioning yourself like so you're not getting smacked by things while you're filtering through cards to try to do like a three-card combo you know, to get off the like, the synergies or whatever they call the... Yeah, I can't remember what they yeah, call whatever them. the special word is they call for the different tricks that you can learn. And it's just like, some of that just feels like it's going to just get insanely hard by the time you get to the end of the game. And then you kind of amplify that, given the fact that the actual deck building, like, itself is a pain to try to like organize cards. It's like, if I need to play cards in a certain order, it should be relatively easy for me to be able to do that. But you basically have to take everything out of your deck and put it in, in the order that you want the cards to come up in. Yeah. That's all I did every time was just, and like, that's just reset like, deck. so cumbersome when it's just like, just let me reorder this card to the spot where I want it. Um, or give me an option to just sort them numerically or whatever. Um, but I did not, see that there was the option to do any of that and so that's that's like the concern i have with with chain of memories yeah it was a timeless classic that the world missed out on burns did you have any other thoughts on combat before we jump into our highs and lows uh i think that was that was pretty much everything i was going to uh to bring up all right, here's this is the meat of our discussion now that we're an hour into just the video game section of this podcast, but the highs and lows of our experience with Kingdom Hearts. John, how did you feel about Goofy and Donald and their use of the items that you equipped to them? Gosh, it's so annoying, right? And I get it, right? PlayStation 2 game. The AI, not that great. So, but like... You're trying to save the stuff, and all of a sudden, like, oh, you get to where you need to really go, and I need some health potions, and nope, Goofy's done used them all because he got himself caught in the corner, and he keeps getting his butt kicked by some heartless. And you're like, thanks, Goofy. Now we all died because we don't have any potions, and Donald's off not healing me, and this and that. So just a poor AI experience. And I think it's just, it was one of those things where, like, look, 
back then, that's really cool. We have these other characters running around, right? So I give them the thumbs up for Gulf War. Man, just like annoying because bad AI. Yeah, I learned pretty early on that you don't give you don't give potions to the characters that you're that you want to yeah. like have for yourself down the line. Every now and again, they will heal. Like Goofy will heal Sora, which is helpful. Um, but then you end up having the counter to it where it's like, okay, I finally flipped to the spot in the in the menu where I'm going to heal myself. And then right before I hit the X button to heal myself, I get healed and waste a potion to heal like that last little sliver. It's like, oh my God, Goofy. Like if you would have done it like three seconds sooner, I wouldn't have had to have gone through all this to get to this point. But most of the time, yeah, most of the time they were just unconscious off to the side. And it's just like, all right, there's another solo battle. I'll keep rolling with it. Birdsy, we've talked a lot on Outside is Overrated about your overall love for Final Fantasy. Was it a major high point for you to have Final Fantasy characters in the Kingdom Hearts franchise? It was cool to see them, but um, I feel like it was such a surface level representation of most of the characters that it just you got their physical appearances that's how that really matters in life right yeah it's like that's how we form all of our judgments the only character the only there's like two characters that really seemed like they were those characters like waka because of the way that he spoke and then cloud was cloud otherwise all the other final fantasy characters in kingdom hearts one were basically just like they were cosplayers pretending to be those characters. And other than other than Eris or Aerith like asking about Cloud, like none of the other ones like actually like seemed like their characters that much. Maybe Squall a little bit. Sorry, Leon a little bit. Yeah, I didn't know who Leon was. I'm like, man, he looks a lot like Squall. Yeah, yeah. No, that's Squall, yeah. Because he won't go it's by Leon Lionheart. Won't go by my other name. I'm just Leon right now. I I do think it's better in two. They use the Final Fantasy characters a little bit better in two, right? Aaron comes in and, and the whole Hades thing I think is really good in two, um, right? But yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. It was really cool, like when you get that Final Fantasy seven, Final Fantasy eight, Final Fantasy ten hype. This is all kind of recent and like boom, there's this game. But they are they're just kind of like oh, here's Leon and today it doesn't hit the same Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just like like a little bit more of their personalities i think would go a long way um and maybe that gets better in the subsequent games the other thing that i think was a miss right is we weren't in their worlds right right if we would have been like in midgar that would have been cool right if we would have like woken up and you're at uh gosh eden or whatever their school is in yeah. final fantasy 8 right that would have been cool bring me into that all they did they created this weird like you know twilight town or travel travel whatever the town wasn't one yeah, right town. and yeah and like great but they don't why are they here right like these care like why is i know i know why walk is on the beach right but like why why isn't Yuna here. She's not. Like, it was uh, Waka and T- uh, Titus, and who was the other one that was there with her? There was another, like, Selfie. girl that was there with her. Selfie. Yeah, right? And I'm like, where, like, so not necessarily, like, the best use of those characters, and I know they were trying to do that story, but I would have liked to see 
show me the Final Fantasy VII world. Show me the Final Fantasy VIII world, right? I mean, dude, I do love some Vivi in Kingdom Hearts 2. That is cool, and they use him extremely well. But again, he's just like this extra character in there. I would have rather seen a Final Fantasy IX right how cool is that or you go in and like you're with the pirates in the airship when it's crashing right or you're like you know you're an audience member during you know the whole like you know uh the heist in the beginning right you could have done cool things with the final fantasy figures and they didn't always a low point for me yeah and i think that was that was the other thing is it as a final fantasy fan you're just like well what's this weird world where these few characters from a couple different Final Fantasies were together, but then they're separate from these other few characters from a couple of different Final Fantasies that are together. You know, it, yeah, it was just it. It was like kind of like that uncanny valley, but in a in a different way, where it's like it was like touching on it, but then it was just different enough that it just threw you more for a loop than anything. Yeah, it, it very much reminded me of like. Uh bad sitcoms where they get to that jump the shark moment and then like or even like they do spin-offs where like oh hey you know all of a sudden it's happy days and mork shows up from planet orc right you're like he makes no sense being here why is this character here right we're gonna try and shoehorn this well-known character who's making a cameo because you know they live in the same city like wow it sweeps weeks and you know uh the you know Frazier and someone from Cheers is coming all the way to Seattle to see Frazier, right? It's that kind of just you know you're you're not really doing anything with a great character. You're just putting them in there so we come say, oh cool, I love that, and then you're like, oh okay, cool, right? Versus all the Disney stuff, where like I'm here, like I got a fishtail and I'm in the Little Mermaid and I'm hanging out with Ariel, right? <laughs> I'm I'm. Beaten up, you know, Heartless and Beast Castle. That's cool compared, like, you know, I would have liked to see the same thing with Wildlands. Now, I'm going to air several grievances in rapid-fire succession here, <laughs> and uh, you guys can let me know if there's any that we should stop and talk about. Hello, the opening of Kingdom Hearts looks like an N64 game. Lo, the entire Destiny Island sequence in one. Lo, like, what about it? Uh, just everything until everything. you get off the island like fetching the stuff for them the fight with Riku like all of it that whole opening sequence was excruciating a little bit uh, speaking of excruciating lo the nut crushing time hating gauntlet that is the boss rush at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1 agreed lo Donald and Goofy dying 100 million billion times across all of one uh-huh. lo couldn't see sh- with beast in the party that didn't bother me too much oh it drove me crazy like you're going through hollow bastion it's like you're in this narrow hallway and like i can't see what i'm doing because like beast is standing near me <laughs> drove me crazy low gummy shits low the end of the stream of heartless as you try to figure out wtf you need to do or where you need to go especially early in the game low donald and goofy again in all boss fights mm-hmm. low camera and controls actively hindering your ability to execute your planned actions and lo, the bosses made one nearly unplayable, and I was looking at you, Ursula, Jafar, and Riku. Yeah, like I didn't have too many problems with Jafar. Um, Ursula was kind of a pain just because of, like, it wasn't super clear exactly how you were supposed to approach it. And that was when I'm like, all right, I'm just looking at a walkthrough, and I'm getting through this GD game. Because, yeah. like, I fought her once, I'm like... 
I have no idea. Was I yeah. successful at all? Was I close? I have no clue. Oh, equip scan. Great. That helps. Wonderful. She's got multiple health bars. Great. Uh, but then after looking up the walkthrough, I got it on the next fight. I'm like, oh, great. And for me, for, for me, Riku was only difficult just because of some of the things that were really hard to dodge and then like not having enough time to be able to try to heal in between like whatever next attack might come, especially near the end of that fight with him. Yeah, stupid Riku. <laughs> uh, that was all of my negatives. I have a couple of highs that I wanted to uh, touch on, and Burns, I'll touch on some of your points here too. Uh, but I'm the star of the show, so I'm just going to keep right on going. <laughs> Hi, I like the cinematic pacing in one. Like, I thought they did a really good job. Like, There's some clunky stuff in the world. You mow through all these heartless, but I thought they did a really good job when they brought in the cutscenes, when they brought in the villains, when they dribbled out the story. I thought the pacing was mm-hmm. largely really, really good in one. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Burns, your thoughts on the music across the franchise? I mean, I think the music is fantastic. Uh, Yoko Shimomura is the uh, composer for all of Kingdom Hearts, or at least all the mainline games. I'm sure there's other people that helped with some of the uh, side games. Um, she is the person who did the music for Final Fantasy 15, also. Um, but yeah, I like the music so well known and does. <clears throat> a really good job of captioning capturing the Disney vibes but being like original music for like the world themes and stuff like that uh, so yeah I, I think the music is definitely a high point you talked about a couple of your other lows already you marked this as an ultra low in the yeah. show notes just the controls in one the controls were wretched yeah uh, another ultra low for you was the lag time with the healing yeah. um, and just that this game didn't age particularly well yeah um, a high for you, 358 over two days, which is interesting because 358 over two days was a full game. In this final mix, they took out all the game, yeah. and it's just the cutscenes, and it's like two and a half, three, three and a half hours. What made yeah, like three 358 hours. stand out for you so much? I, I, I mean, I, I just, it's, it's kind of, it's just an interesting story, and the whole like thing of like Roxas trying to figure out who he is. Um, throughout all of it and then axel even with his like ulterior motives going on um still like just becoming friends with him and then you have Shion thrown into it um which just adds another dynamic to their whole relationship and how especially with Shion, there's like all of these other like there's all these other aspects of that character that people are trying to use her for various different reasons and uh, um, like Axel kind of being pulled between what his friend slash boss is telling him to do um, and what he thinks is right for Roxas or himself, uh, I just think is kind of interesting. Um, if I would have played through like Chain of Echoes, I think it would be even more interesting because of the fact that like there's definitely plot points of like the things that you're doing, I think, in Chain of Echoes and how that like flows into or, yeah, yeah, I'm saying that right. Chain, oh, chain of Memories, sorry. I keep, yeah, Chain of Memories. Because there's Chained Echoes or something as a game that came out recently. Um, so yeah, Chain of Memories, um, there's definitely plot points that happen kind of concurrently between those two. Yeah, those two games happen simultaneously, yeah. which is interesting and frustrating, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I, that was a weird thing. Did I cut you off on your point? Or were you able to no, complete no, it? No, no. That, that was that was most of that was most of what I really enjoyed about it. Um, it but did you... get a little bit long. I fell asleep a couple of times because I was watching it a little bit late at night. Um, but it was easy to go. It was also really easy to go back and like 
pick up from where you left off kind of thing. But you mentioned a low that Roxas's love interest actually turns into Sora and saying yep. that Sora really loves himself. Like, are you saying that people shouldn't change, that we should all be who we are at this exact time <laughs> and that nobody should change or like grow a wiener or anything? Well, so you might not have, because you're only at 100 days, so you might not have gotten to the point where you find out who Xion actually is. Um, so it makes sense, actually, like, because, like, you know, her turning into Sora is actually the whole point of Xion, um, who is a clone of Sora or Roxas, clone of Sora, I believe. So she's like, so it's nobody okay to love yourself if it's a clone. Yes. If it's a yes. clone, it's okay, guys. It's all right. Yeah, I think that was part of, I think that was a deleted scene in Michael Keaton's Multiplicity at one point, too, where <laughs> loves himself a couple times or something maybe i'm not sure i've never seen that movie but uh how do we uh look at alternate dimensions is like that okay too or is loki just wrong no i I, I, back to the loki well i find that that's like so apt for his character that he would fall in love with himself that i think that makes even more sense for loki than it does sora one of the lows i mentioned was the gauntlet at the end of one burns you flag that as another low point but i thought uh, what I marked as one of my highs was that one gives you plenty of reasons to revisit the other worlds as you gear up for that final boss. And, like, given infinite time and, like, infinite patience to play Kingdom Hearts, like, I do think it's cool that they encourage you to go back to those worlds and scour them for all the hidden stuff. It's just, uh, as somebody who mainlines a lot of games because I'm working on a schedule, uh, that was a double-edged sword yeah. for me. Well, and it's, it is a plus and it is a minus because I think for like the end game like there's certain like you you have to go back and do a lot of things on some of those worlds in order to get like the highest level spells that like definitely yeah. help for those final battles like so, Kiraga that would be a helpful one yeah exactly and so i think that is the double edged sword where like you said if there was infinite time it probably wouldn't be a problem but uh it makes it a little bit more difficult when you're just trying to like trying to blow through and see credits and see like where everything was going and, and see the climax organically. My wife just walked in with a drink. She's the best. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> Little time traveling joke there for the three of us, four of us that are on the show. Good um, stuff. Uh, Burns and I both really liked the open to number two. Um, John hated it with a burning fiery passion, but it sounds like you just hate everything on earth. John, is that right? <laughs> Just everything that just destroys, you know, uh, the memory I had of Kingdom Hearts. Really, that's what it is, right? Yeah. No, I just, I just don't like my time being wasted, Tom. Well, that that's one, I, uh, like. I agree. That one money-making quest was like probably next to the gauntlet at the end of one, the lowest point in the series. Were for you me. trying to hit the yeah. thing? Oh my god! I hit hill? that balloon. Yeah, I did the thing up the hill once. That was excruciating. Yeah. I hit the balloon like a hundred thousand times, and it's like, oh yeah, good. I finally have enough money to stop like, doing this. Skateboard and mail. Yeah. Skateboard and mail because yeah. you can do a run in ten seconds, over and over and over again. And I'm mean, like, I did it. In like why? Eight, so. And like. And it's it's okay. Like I get it. Like just make me do one thing. Yeah. Right. Hey, you delivered this guy. Great. I just made five thousand moody because I did the one thing. Great. But I the, again, I, I won't go back to it. I'm right. Tom wrong. The poster one ended up being the one that I got into the most because it was trying to find ways because it turned into like a time trial type of thing where it's like, okay, what routes can I go through? Because there was like. 
25 or 30 different spots where you could put up posters. There weren't only like the 15 that you needed to do or whatever. And so it was like trying to figure out the best optimal routes to try to get your time as low as possible. So that's the one I ended up doing to try to get enough money. And we even got enough money that we could get watermelon, I think is what they said. So, but you know, then, you know, whoever ruins it for you. But the one other thing that I think that you touched on earlier, John, that I wanted to make sure I pointed out too, is I really do think that they did a phenomenal job of how they weaved the various Disney characters into the overarching story, whether it was villains or whether it was like friendly characters. I just, I think that that was definitely a high point um, in this game, especially as you have like kind of the convocation of evildoers and as you're slowly like knocking them off one by one. Um, I, I just thought, I thought that that was a real strong point. Yeah, and I think that the, the high, when you look at Kingdom Hearts 1, is actually that story and how they bring everyone together, right? Using the princesses, using Disney, you know, uh, you know, Yin said, is Disney backwards, right? Some fun stuff like that that they did and just nailing all those worlds. And, the, and even the worlds continue into two where they do some really cool like Steamboat Willie stuff and this and that. Like the Disney production value for the areas they did are on point throughout, which sticks, right? Because Disney's not going to make you right. let them, oh, this is horrible, right. right? It's just that it's a 20-year-old game, so the gameplay doesn't necessarily match. And I will say, though, the actually, another high point for me was actually the production value of the remake, right? For what these games were, they looked great. Yeah, the controls were passable for what they were, right? Updated for today's standards, still not like great controls and great combat, but I was like, "Wow, this really looks good," right? Some of the artistic stuff really stood out, like why are Roxas's hands so big, right? <laughs> and stuff like that would really stick out because it was like the art. I think it was like kind of how the artistic stuff got translated. Because again, remember, like this was like you know CRT time and now we're looking at it like they did a great high def remaster here so that is really cool i do applaud them for that hd remaster is good yeah it looked good i agree but what kingdom hearts one especially needs is a full-on remake treatment like they have an engine that they use for kh3 kh3 carries a lot of the same visual style a lot of the same visual assets but they just need to remake one as with the like current tools and like then i think it could actually be a banger of a game it has a lot of pieces in place but like what we talk about over and over and over again the camera the controls is just clunk on clunk on clunk and if like they could make it modern and new that would be an awesome experience i think sort of along those same lines um i do think it's really funny with uh, chain of memories that they had to do the card based system because the Game Boy Advance couldn't like handle like didn't have enough memory to be able to do the normal combat system that they have but then that card based system is actually more complex than the actual Kingdom Hearts system it's just it's just a funny little aspect to it um and then yeah the reason why they didn't have actual gameplay included with the games that they just did like the the video versions uh, of or the cutscene versions of is just because they didn't have development time for the timeline that they had and resources to be able to remake those games 
for the upgraded console. So then they just, you know, took some people to make added cutscenes or enhanced cutscenes to be able to fill in the gaps. Um, which I don't know. At least with that one worked. I guess if I get to you know doing recoded, we'll see how it works for that one. Yeah, I mean, I wish they had more enough time and money to redo the entire series and make them all fun. <laughs> Bernsey, you mentioned as a low right here on the very bottom of the list. Like after paragraphs and paragraphs of copy, you said low. Tom choosing to try to cover all of Kingdom Hearts. LOL. <laughs> Thank you for that one. But Burns, we covered all of Final Fantasy in a show for Christ's sakes. Like this is a smaller scope than that. Well, I think. Well, let me add to that then, because um, at that point, what? The three of us that were on that had at least played. Well, we and did the year multiple Final Fantasies. We played the year of Final Fantasy leading up to that. Yeah. So, like we, you and I tried to play a different Final Fantasy game each month. So, yeah, there's a lot more context leading up to that. And, uh, you know, I honestly I didn't know what I was biting off here. <laughs> like I knew that Kingdom Hearts one and two were long games, but I thought the other ones were all uh, handheld experiences that would be shorter. So that's kind of on me. But I thought it was interesting to try to tackle the whole franchise as opposed to just looking at one yeah uh, and i think it's just we probably would have been able to if we if we split it out a little bit more been able to give a little bit more detail to some of the especially the stuff after two between two and three um but then again that's where it gets super convoluted so maybe it's better that we don't <laughs> yeah i mean looking back with hindsight being 2020 we could have broken it into chunks and recorded at different times and then like compiled it all into one thing but uh as it is i've flushed kingdom hearts out of my system and i am done with it for all time uh now we're gonna go to our uh, t- uh tony reality moment john i turn to you tom is wrong about Oxus. <laughs> rock look again the idea is cool right but you know for someone who like really like hates old games right and this is like your like i i would just assume that this this is like your key moment right this is why old <laughs> games suck right because they don't know how to design cool scenes and they don't know how to like you know keep me engaged and you're throwing dumb mini games at me at the very beginning old games suck right but you're like, yeah, no, you captured it perfectly. Also, hey, this is cool. <laughs> I'm in a haunted mansion, but it has nothing in it. And then, like, I don't even, I can't remember how to get to it because the map is crappy, and I have to run around this town until I find the hole in the wall that no one tells you about, and I have to go back and talk to this guy. Or I'm going to find all these spooky things through the town, and they're marked on a map. The guy says, "Go check this out," and you click on it, and then like. It doesn't put anything on your map to like get you there. And the map he shows you is not the same as the map you have. Yeah. So you're like, how does that help me? Like at one point, one of the things you have to find is like uh like your reflection, right? And it says it in a really, really odd way. And if you just don't happen to walk in the one corner of the map where it's at and there's a waterfall, so you get the little thing that says triangle like look here you will never find it there is nothing that points you that way i literally just sorry i literally just stumbled across all of those i just wandered around that area it's like oh it says triangle cool i did it it is one step up from finding secrets in wolfenstein 3d where you're running down the hallway and just pressing space bar the entire time hoping the door opens up so you get a secret weapon 
it is that and like at least that too i'm like i have a straight hallway to run down and press space bar i'm looking at the same corridor 18 times because i can't understand this horrible map <laughs> right so that first town as the beginning of the game in 2023 if I was not recording for a podcast and trying to do my due diligence, unlike some other people who are great sponsors but will not be named. Uh, <laughs> I would not have made it through that part. I would not. It, it, it is just I, 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 I can't. It's bad. The, the Wolfenstein 3D example resonates so hard with me, John. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> yeah, John, you just made Burns hard. Congratulations. <laughs> All of Kingdom Hearts, and like that's the only take that I have that you take issue with. We're in lockstep on everything else. You want an entire segment just so you could say that Roxas sucks? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, actually, you're pretty spot on with everything else. The gummy ship does suck. Um, You know, old games don't suck. You're wrong. You know, old game design might suck, but old games don't suck. You are wrong about that. Yeah, disagree vehemently. Old games right. suck. Right, Burns? The, the gummy Here ship is me. wrong. Uh, the boss fights are bad, right? Ursula's not fun. The platforming's horrible, right? Yeah, all those things. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I like the story of one better than the story of two. It's a nice, neat little package. Oh, you, you hit all the marks. Yeah, to summarize, John, avoid Kingdom Hearts at all costs. Burnsy, do you take issue with any of John's feedback there? Like, did you also hate to with a burning, fiery passion? I mean, I, I actually, I really enjoyed what I played of it. I will agree. I, I wouldn't say Roxas sucks. The things that they make you do for parts of the time when you're Roxas definitely does suck. Um, a lot of those mini games are kind of a pain. I, there's a couple of them for the jobs that I that I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, having the skateboard was nice. Like not having it once you turn into Sora, you're just like, oh, it's such a slog <laughs> to move around this town now. I think also Roxas was such a missed opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Because actually they have a cool little setup with like these two like little gangs that they're in. And like, it is one of the cooler and like they have this whole, like the only fun mini game is like the battle one that you do. Where I'm like, the okay, this is battle, getting into yeah. the combat, right? Struggle. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This is kind of cool. And you have this cool, like I love the dialogue between Cypher Cipher, right? Yeah, yeah, and everything he everything he says is fantastic. And I just wish they would have leaned into that, and they could have done this Karate Kid eighties esque like <laughs> he's the villain of an eighties movie because that's all his dialogue, and he's got the guy behind him that says like yeah yeah whoa whoa he says the same thing every time, and I'm like those guys like they were way cooler than uh, Roxas's buddies who were boring, and I don't remember any of them. Right, but you had stuff you could have done. Dude had a Dogtown shirt on, man. That was rad. Dogtown. <laughs> instead, I'm delivering mail. Like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Would you guys eat sea salt ice cream? Is uh, that after, what it was? After hearing yeah. it said 100 million billion times, <laughs> sure. I'd eat some sea salt I didn't ice know cream that's with what you. What it was? Was it yeah. sea salt? Sea yeah. salt ice cream is what it is. Yeah, somebody didn't watch 358 really over too. <laughs> Definitely didn't, because they eat it every of those every one of those days. It's like, how do these kids not have diabetes or hypertension (laughs) with all that salt and sugar? (laughs) Yeah, it's low carb, low sugar. It's really just Frogert. 
overall thoughts and takeaways on the Kingdom Hearts franchise. John, you're a last minute replacement. You jumped in. You played some games for that you had a lot of nostalgic history with. Your final thoughts on Kingdom Hearts. If you want to play a Final Fantasy game, play a Final Fantasy game. Right? <laughs> Except for 13. Don't, don't cut. No, play a any, any of them are better. Except for 13. Yeah. If you want to play a Disney game, there's much better ones out there. If you're interested in Kingdom Hearts, though, I would recommend checking out. I mean, you can get these games super cheap, right? For the money I spent, I spent a total of like 30 bucks, not even. I got both these games, three in the entire package of everything. It was worth it for me to go down memory lane, have access to them, be able to mess around with them. It's kind of cool from a historical standpoint. They are a unique thing when you look at when they came out and this whole like Final Fantasy Disney, why would they ever mix? So they're actually really cool to look at, right? It was a lot of fun to go back to them, but I just wouldn't be playing through them all together. So there's great Final Fantasy games out there. There's great Disney games out there, right? Just this, it doesn't quite work today though i would say around the time when kingdom hearts was announced um there was definitely a lull of good disney games uh like i don't know that there were a lot during the playstation era and so then the fact that when final fantasy was kind of at its apex and like peak popularity um you know square enix announced that they're doing a game um that's an RPG, the action RPG, as opposed to um, a turn-based RPG. And it was going to be all Disney-based. Like, I mean, I remember that that was, like, huge, like, in gaming magazines. Like, it just, like, it was massive. And it was, like, Disney didn't do deals with anybody at that point. And so it was just, like, it was just this massive thing. Um, You know, and the first, I think the first game, maybe why some people like the story of the first game better was because it was much more focused on the Disney stuff. And they're like, Hey, you printed us a lot of money. You can do whatever you want a little bit more. You know, we still have to improve the Disney stuff. So that's why they could, you know, piddle around with Roxas for three hours at the start. And it's like, yeah, Disney's coming in here, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay, good, good, good. Keep printing that money. Keep printing that money. Um, But I don't know. I came away enjoying the story a lot more than I expected to. Um, I guess I'm kind of the opposite. I don't have a huge affinity for Disney stuff. Like, I watched a lot of the Disney things that were popular growing up. Um, And you hate both fun and art, right? (laughs) Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah. That's me. Um, Like, my, my favorite Disney... So the fact that I think... Hercules is represented in all three of the Kingdom Hearts games, right? One so and three for sure. Yeah, the the fact that, that they focused on, you know, my favorite Disney movie um, in all of the games makes sense, you know. So, I've never seen Hercules. Oh, I, I, I really enjoyed Hercules. That was my that was my favorite one. Um, I should watch that. Yeah, it's good. Zero I've, to Hero. I've got young children. Like, I can watch all kinds of Disney movies now. Yeah, they'd, they'd love it. The first movie that Daisy made it through, the first movie, my oldest daughter has a very short attention span, and like she does not do movies. We walked out of TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, after an hour. We made it to the opening scene of Super Mario. <laughs> uh, the first movie she sat through was Bambi. Bambi, really? of all things. It's so boring. Yeah, she That's has an affinity insane. for deer. Uh, after deer hunting last year like she decided to play deer hunting with her mom at one point and she pretended to shoot phoenix and then she gutted her she like took her finger and like traced it down her sternum and was like oh that is dark <laughs> let's uh let's not do that one at school huh kid but uh 
Yeah, so I really enjoyed the story so far. I- I'm planning on slowly working my way through. Uh, one other thing to add on to it um, is that you can all of these, everything that's in like the all-in-one package um, is also included with PlayStation Extra. So PlayStation Plus Extra, which is... Oh, nice. I was not aware of that. um, Of it. I think at one point they might... Actually, no. Have they... Actually, they don't even exist on Xbox, do they? The Kingdom Hearts games? Or did they release it for Xbox when they did like the... Three does. I think think they actually might... Did they do it when... Okay. So, yeah. So I don't think it's on Game Pass, though. It might have been at one point, but I don't think it is right now. But it is on PlayStation Plus Extra if you do have that. So, um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. One, definitely, like, you either have to be a masochist or just, like, play you got, it on as easy as possible and take your time with it. You got to take your time with it. Yeah. Like, you can't you can't try to rush through it because, like, you look to that end, Boss Gauntlet. Like, I pushed through, pushed the pace on this game through most of it. And I was just beelining it through every area, getting to every boss fight, finding out the gimmick and, like, moving it forward. But that gauntlet at the end, like, you got to have all the stuff. So, like, you're going to have to go back to all the worlds. You're going to have to grind levels. You're going to have to find all the stuff to synth better uh gear and i think you have to beat the hades cup because i think you do get a couple of the magic level ups through that Um, so i think you do have to do that in order to get some of those pieces that you really do need for the end game if i played through 40 plus levels and lost before completing that i would lose my mind it, it you get it basically there's like a boss at every 10 levels so basically if you clear level 40 you can start at level 40 or 30 or oh, that's some of the best checkpointing in the game yeah <laughs> uh yeah we never even touched on that did we yeah no the checkpointing sucks in kh1 too just add it to the list of grievances it's all over the place sometimes it's like right before the battle and then other times it's like oh you just gotta fight through these two screens for no apparent reason to get to this this fight and sometimes continue keeps the abilities that you chose leading into that fight. Oh, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it was... keeps your shortcuts. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, you never know. Just grip it and rip it and see what happens. Yeah. Games are fun, right? That was that was, that was was also a very rough part of it. Uh, it's an interesting franchise. It's an interesting series. We've spent a lot of time bad-mouthing this, but I'm also on the positive side of it. Like, I largely enjoyed my time with KH1. Getting to the end, super frustrating, because I feel like I wasted a lot of time, and I got to just put in more hours of grinding to try to get over that hump but overall i like the franchise i've watched a video that summarizes the story i'm like wow that is a lot to process in just a half hour summary but like you know i like the characters and i do want to go further with it john do you think you ever touch another kingdom hearts thing again in your life short of like a full-on remake of one and two and 358 and chain and coded and god knows what else (laughs) After having watched that 30-minute video and understanding everything, you know, I don't see myself going back to one ever or two. I might mess around. But after starting three, I'm going to give it a shot, right? No time soon because I got other fish to fry, <laughs> right? But I think, it, you know, I'm going to give it its fair shake because it's got great reviews. It's got great Disney characters, great production value. It's still all there. And, like, that same, like, fun of Kingdom Hearts is still there, right? Of, like, here's Donald, here's Goofy, like, 80s jumping in, and it's James Woods, and, like, he's all like, whatever, I'm going to take over the world. Yeah, this is still that, that's still the fun (laughs) part of it, right? And, you know, it it is definitely something I can throw up and I can play through, and my kids can watch, right, and play with me, or they can play, right? So I'll give it a shot. 
You, you just got you just got to finish Kingdom Hearts three before four comes out in like a year or two, or ten, or George R. R. Martin style. Never. Well, I mean, they've announced it and they've shown some some video of it, so <laughs> it, it's it's coming sometime between next year and yeah, ten years from now probably. But, yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, that is our show on Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, play it or don't. Yeah, you know, whatevs. <laughs> Next month, we're Tolkien up once again. This is like our fourth Tolkien theme show over the last couple of years. We're watching the movie Tolkien and discussing the Lord of the Rings living card game with Adam. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Outsiders Overrated. Please support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash OIO. For John, who I don't believe has a social handle. I do not. Yeah, no internet for Mr. Munch. And for the Hobbybox, Joe Burns at Hobbybox Burns on X and twitch.tv slash Hobbybox Burns. I'm Tom Sidlachik, who definitely knows my own name, at Tom Sidlachik OIO. <laughs> we'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids.